FMX Network Production. You cast me, I'll complete me till death do all part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmx.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. No, I don't like guac. You don't like guac? Nah. I really feel like we need to discuss the world aspect of this. Um, new. Uh, 702-586-58. 702-586-7857. You knew you were going to get the shit kicked out of you. Wouldn't it be funner? rough and hard it's the only track that i ever raced on for national that i was truly scared of my starts on my with my michelins were a little better i couldn't get worse a couple ah. world champions in the room here i just feel like every time i got to talk to you i got a pre preface like anything that i you're not supposed to talk about okay dudes are launching off of the berm because they can't <laughs> stop in time <laughs> what the fuck are you doing you never know how many laps <laughs> you're doing like we're fucking tired bro if there was a fucking trap door that leads to hell I'd fall in it. This is fucking nom. There's no rules. <laughs> Any, you could you could kill a man. It's oh, fine. Okay. This is this is exactly the reasons why I fucking love it. I mean, I almost fucking t-boned an ambulance. That yes. Oh, yes. To track. And I'm gonna spend fifteen fucking dollars and get stickers. I signed up for the class that I felt was appropriate. Nobody asked any fucking questions. <laughs> Fuck me, dude. I'm a loser. Fucking loser well, seat. He could prepare a little bit more, but he chooses not to. That's got, on him. I got so, low T. Uh, you get a hard on, you're fine. I'm a loser, and okay, cool. Like, whatever. You know? Don't clip that. Darts were Much better. better. Way fucking Fuck way you, better. dark side. Fuck you. <laughs> I was the window licker. I don't know that I had a lot of fun at any point. The way my checkings and savings is, like, situated these days, you know what I mean? I got to be a little smarter about, you know, how much comes in and goes out. It's loose down here. <laughs> you you want to talk the... about a stupid vet race for an hour and a half. Oh, God. And we can't oh, wow. talk about this for this 90 sh- seconds? The continued amount of shitting I get by my employees, people I pay, is all time. Like, it's all time. If I had an HR department, it would be full time busy with guys that I pay who shit on me. With not having a pony, you won't be so like weird to look at now, so maybe people will come by. I, yeah. I think they did okay with that gear. God. We're always going to support Chiss. Rub my nipples. You're starting to see an ass do up his butthole. I would end up on the news if I drank 10 white claws. <laughs> Thanks for listening. No. It's been a great show. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Fuck my life. <laughs> All right, it's time for another Pulp Mix wrap-up show. I know the listeners missed us, and I'm ready to get into this. This week, it's show 482, and it's the Glen Helen Vet World Championship recap show. These recap shows following the Vet World Championships have uh, they become, become some of my favorites of all time. Flashback to 2019, Steve Mathis's first race back in years, his mind-blowing start technique, Brownie takes out Kiefer, Galdi comes down from Canada to win a world championship, eh? 
That recap right. show was numbered 404, so you guys go back and check that out. And the, honestly, 404 is probably my all-time favorite show. Jump ahead to 2020, where Randy Richardson comes over to rate, go 3-1 for second overall. Chris, Chris Kiefer wins a world championship. Steve has a rant about other rider starts after his horrible start from the year before. See my Instagram page. And Steve doesn't get a medal. That's show 444 for you, those of you that want to go back and check it out. Now, present day, 2021. Could this show and the post-weekend stories hold up to the level of excellence that we now expect from the vet world championship shows? Let's introduce my guests, and we'll find out. First up, from Guaranteed MX, brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires, the 2019 40-plus expert champ world champion, Ryan Gauld. What up, brother? Hey, dude. Thanks for having me, Darkside. This should be a good one. Uh, I'm bummed I didn't get a chance to do it live down at Glen Helen this past weekend, but uh, nothing nothing that second best is coming on the show here with you guys and chatting it up. Hey, I'll take second best. Yeah, Steve had told me yeah. a month ago or so that you were, I guess, originally scheduled to go and be in studio? Yeah, that was the plan. Uh, I came down with a couple health things at the beginning of the year. Uh, nothing serious. Had to go get some biopsies and some shit cut out of my back and my chin and stuff. And, and I just, I had to get some checkups again. And I, I just didn't work out. We couldn't find someone to look after the kids. I didn't want to leave my old lady. I just sure. I couldn't pull the trigger out of this year. So uh, I had to, I had to stay home and, and follow it all just through Twitter or Instagram or any of the bullshit those guys put up. It happens, man. I understand. Family comes first. Uh, next guest up. He is uh, a little too young to be racing the vet world championships. <laughs> But he is Max Volans mechanic. He's brought to you by Seal Savers, Mr. Austin Young Buck Watterson. What up, Austin? Hey, Darkside. How you doing? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this show because uh, it, it does crack me up listening to Newf and uh, Pulp talk to each other, the fellow Canadians. And then now that we have Galdi to come in and get on a little bit of uh, shit talk, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be fun, man. You uh, you were supposed to be on a few weeks ago, and. I believe it was that Wednesday morning. All the 450 motors showed up, and Ian and Roger kind of screwed me over a little bit. Uh, and you, your brother Colby filled in, though, did a great job. Did a great job. Yeah, yeah, I was ex- I, I was a little bummed. I felt super bad because that's just my persona. I don't like backing out of stuff that I've told people yeah. like I would fill in for. So I felt super bad, and I wanted to try to find a replacement. But yeah, that day it was just really busy, and Ian gave us a warning like, "Hey, we might we might be here a little later tonight with the new." Uh, 450 stuff coming in but now that's all wrapped up and i was still pretty busy today i barely got home like maybe 10 minutes ago but we, <laughs> I, I i told you i'd make it in so i make it on hey man it's good deal we're, we're gonna make this thing happen we're gonna knock through this show 482 with jt max steffens and the new ryan lockhart in studio chris Kiefer, justin bogle dylan wright and john anderson all join in uh in call so it was a really great show uh, Galdi, first up, man, as I said, I have come to love these post-Vet World Championship race shows. I think the stories are just some of the best stories. Some of the, I laugh throughout all these shows. How do you feel like this episode held up compared to the previous two? Uh, I think last year's was not quite as dramatic, and the 2021, I think the weather kind of muted it. It wasn't as big a turnout. Uh, that stuff, and I mean, the year that I did it, the story seemed like endless, and then this year it seems to be the same thing. And to be honest, with you, for that first hour, I feel like it was just almost Groundhog Day. Yeah. Uh, but you know, just insert you know the ambulance instead of uh, of the Michael Lessie going into practice when I was there, or uh, 
uh, Noof and, and videotaping the start. Like it just, it seemed like the entire thing was almost very repetitive. Um, although I believe this time I want to say that Steve was the one that was on the rev limiter uh, compared to it was me on the rev limiter back in 19 right. um, for that first hour. But uh, it, it rivaled it almost to a T as far as the entertainment value getting from that race. I thought so too. Now, Austin, you kind of mentioned off air, you know, you can't really relate to going to the vet worlds and, and that experience, but uh, just listening to the show, and I, I assume you listened to the other ones in the past, uh, the vet world shows, but what do you think of the show? I, I mean, it was entertaining, right? I, you had to be laughing. There's no way you can listen to these stories and not just be like, wow, all this shit happened in like two days. Yeah. I was, uh, I was a little surprised because, um, usually steve on some kind of rants just it only lasts like 20 30 minutes but they all four <laughs> like all the guests on the show had i think it went on for like an hour and a half almost yeah say. oh yeah and yeah i uh i didn't realize how much i guess drama there was in the staging areas at this race <laughs> i didn't know if it was like, I, 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 I didn't i didn't know if it was that in the past or anything and they're all yeah. talking about cheater lines and staging and the lady with the speakerphone like yeah i can i can see glenn helen being like that but i just didn't think for the vet nationals. I thought maybe there was a little more, um, uh, a little more organization nope. or something for that. But I, I do, I do think. <laughs> I, heard, I think Noof said something. I bet the nightlife was super fun there, though. Oh yeah, you know, Galdi. And, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Austin. Oh, sorry. Yeah, like me being young too. Like I, I like to enjoy myself and have a good time. So I, I didn't go out there at all because honestly, on the off weekends for now, I'm trying to do other things that aren't dirt bike related for a little bit. Yeah. But um, just uh just to keep it fun with other scenes, but I definitely think it'd be a good time going out there for uh, just the nightlife alone. Yeah, Galdi, I went in either 17 or 18. I don't even remember now, honestly. First year I met Chris Kiefer, but I, uh, like, my my day was very similar. Like, I was originally, I was going to race my, my, my race on Sunday. That was my plan. Uh, and I flew out, and Rich Taylor from X Brand said, well, you can ride one of our bikes, no problem. So I got there, and it was Saturday morning, and Rich pulls up. First time I meet Rich, and he's like, so you're racing, right? I was like, yeah, yeah, tomorrow. And he goes, uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to be here tomorrow. So if you want to race, um, you probably should get ready. <laughs> like, practice was going on, and I was like, oh, shit, okay. So I ran back to my buddy's trailer, threw all my gear on, and the only practice that was left was basically the expert class and then, like, some other class that wasn't my class. So, like they said, unorganized, I just lined up. I lined up yeah. next to Dubok and Chicken and um, I'm not even remotely close to needing to be on the track with those guys. And I took off, and then when they threw the checkered, I just kept going for the next practice too. So, uh, yeah, I lived that that life a little bit. I saw the disorganization. And then you, Austin, mentioned the nightlife a little bit. That particular weekend, Ozzy Ozfest or something was going on on the other side of the mountain at the amphitheater. So we went over and got to see Ozzy shred, and that was that was a pretty great weekend though, Galdi. Yeah, that would be sick to go and see that stuff. And, and I mean, Induce made a mention of it in the show about, you know, camping out. Yeah. Um, that way, I don't think you're ever going to get that to happen with the likes of Kiefer and, and Mathis. They like their home life and their couch and, and you know, being able to sleep in a bed and be on their phone nonstop and stuff like that. But I think if you threw that in the mix, and, and uh, I, I'm sure we'll talk about um, what the vet sort of represents when the John Anderson part came on there, but saying, you know, the vet guys, they just want to go there and shoot the shit and yeah. drink beers and have a laugh. Like they're not, they're not really worried about, you know, I mean, some are still there to be serious about the racing, but it is more of just a real camaraderie and the hangout of the idea of it all. And then allowing everybody to come from so many different sectors of the world. Uh, and I, I believe 
that could be something that could be put on the plate of Glen Helen, you know, get a band uh, in there on that Saturday night or something like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it's, I, I feel like I've been kind of ringing in my head after uh, when John Anderson was on there. And again, I'm sure we're going to bring this up, but he was real bummed about how things went. I'm a race promoter here in Canada and yeah. stuff like that. And, and um, anyway, yeah, there's the nightlife could be, uh, could be pretty fun, especially having, you know, it'd be almost, it's, it's, it is literally like a donation type atmosphere, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, Austin, at some point you need to, when you get a chance, maybe one year, maybe next year, right? Head out there and check it out for a night. Come on, Eric, yeah, be, yeah. be my wrench. You could be my wrench. There it is. Oh, that, that actually, that's, that's a really good, if I had a reason to be out there, like an actual reason, I would definitely do it. And if I had just the opportunity to go hang out, wrench, drink some Coors Lights that night, maybe like try to like get poison there or something for all the eighties guys. Like, <laughs> Hell yeah. CC, let's go CC. <laughs> I'm young, but I know a lot of the old uh, hair, the hair bands, uh, Poison, oh, yeah. like Scorpions, you're, all of that. I'm into that stuff. You're winning points at Darkside right now, big time. Oh, 100%. Like, I just <laughs> I just planned out the whole 2022 Glen Helen Vet World Championships. Like, Galdi's going to be sponsored by the Pulp Mix Wrap-Up Show with Austin as a mechanic. Yeah, we're going to have, you know, like, yeah, oh, the – MTV. I might uh, be. I might be a little hungover packing gates. That's all right. That's so. I mean, so will oh, Galdi. You're you're not allowed to do it sober. So there you yeah. go. We're in. Galdi oh. be a little bit hungover. <laughs> Galdi be a little bit hungover lining up. So we're good. There we yeah. go. That's perfect. All right. Okay. Let's let's get into this a little bit. Uh, as a recap for 21, Chris Kiefer wins another world championship along with Noof plus 30 expert champion Steve falls short again. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> But listen, man, Max Steffens does not like the world championship title of this ser- this race. He is a plus 30 expert world champion. Medals up. Medals up. Medals up. Ryan, the new Flockhart. There we go. Uh, Chris Kiefer will be calling in very shortly here. He is the plus 40 pro uh, world vet title uh, a holder. I really feel like we need to discuss the world aspect of this. There's no officials. There's no There's like, no referee. Nobody's no rules. Them. It's fucking can we, nom. Can we get a whiteboard? Because I nom. feel like right now I have like 36 checks for why this should Dude. not be a fucking Dude. vet world. world Z- Z- Austin, so uh, Max has good points. <laughs> Galdi. Max has good points, Austin. Like really legitimate points. But I feel like, first of all, there's guys coming from all over the world, especially most years. Uh, yeah. And yeah. then it just sort of goes right along with the flavor of Glen Helen. Why the fuck not? I I don't know. I, I kind of see what he's saying about the world champion part yeah. in a sense. But also, that is the world that Nationals, um, the head engineer from Austria has been here. And um, someone came over with him from Austria and actually raced this last weekend there. I don't, I'm actually not sure if he raced or not, but they definitely attended the event. So I would say like it's definitely a world event. I knew there was people from Europe there. Oh, yeah. So yeah. But I don't know. I'm a little honestly. I'm a little confused on the world title. Like it's is Glenn there, Helen, like, Austin. One plate, is there number one plates handed out? I don't think there's actually number one plates, but there's gold medals, world championship, oh. Olympic style gold medals. Actually, that's that's pretty sick. Actually. Yeah, Galdi. I mean, come on, dude. I mean, it's Glen Helen. It there's no other. It's it is it's the world championship, man. People come from all over the world for this thing. Uh, I mean, uh, if you look at it from that aspect, the world title part 100 represents um, how it works. But you could also say, 
are you really the world champion because you won the FIM Monster Energy Supercross title? You know well, what I mean? Like that. Yeah. The, the world, the word "world" is used very loosely <laughs> nowadays. I, I, even here, I can relate it to someone here in Ontario, Canada. Not the not the the, the uh, Canadian um, country. Right. This is a province, and there's a place out here that says this is a national championship. No, your race is just outside of Toronto, bro. It's not a national. It's yeah. a provincial. So I can mean, I think it's just a promoter's tag. But I mean, again, to go against what Max said, there are people from all around the world coming to this particular event. Glen Helen represents a very world-renowned atmosphere and track. I don't believe that anybody's going to be knocking on Chris Kiefer's or Nick's door <laughs> like they didn't on my door when I won it, saying, oh, hey, here's a bunch of money. We're going to fly you around the world, the yeah. race, all this stuff. But uh, So in that sense, it doesn't make sense. But in the other part of the, the you know, you're going to this world-renowned track and there's people coming from around the globe to do it, it makes sense on that. So I'd say if you're marking it out of three, you got one big negative saying, yeah, the world title isn't really a world title, but the other one's, represent the world so uh it's a two to one odds against max so i i guess i gotta lean a little bit more on it is um or sorry uh it is a world event considering the the you know the two positives for the the people coming from around the globe and you know the world-renowned facility of course and like how many times are you driving down the road and you see i don't know a, a hamburger shop they're like world famous hamburgers dude as long as yeah. one as long as one person from somewhere else in the world came and tried that shit and they know about it it's world famous, dude. It's- hey, what about what, uh, the, the the movie The Elf? World's best cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. Right there, you go. The world. Way to go, guys. The world's best. You know. Exactly. So, exactly. So yeah, we're going. We're sticking with world champions. And I meant to Austin. You made a comment a little bit ago about like the the first hour and a half, basically about Glenn Hill and all this. Like I was when I pulled my audio. You know, usually I go through the show. And there's all this audio throughout the show and. I generally try to get eight to 10 drops to listen to on this show. And I think in the first hour, just the Glenn Helen stuff alone, I had like 10. I didn't even get to Bogle yet or, you know, Dylan Ride or anything. So I was like, holy, all the content was, it was heavy in the beginning. So that was pretty, you could almost do this show without Justin Bogle and Dylan Wright and the show would have been fine. Like, and that was the case the last couple Glenn Helen shows too. The, the added guests that weren't part of Glenn Helen almost, slowed the show down a little bit like i don't know if you do you did you listen to the old shows austin the the other yeah okay. yeah I, i'm pretty sure i listened to, the last one was when uh steve had that <laughs> funny start video right yes the when the Randy, guy when the, like, like yeah well yeah like five feet out of the gate and the dude just completely went left into steve yes right. yes yeah i think i did listen to that show yeah so we're going to talk about steve starts in a little bit so we'll get to that but yeah okay that was the yes that was two years ago i believe uh, uh 19 or 20, 20, uh, shit, nah, 19. Anyway. 19, yeah, I think, I think COVID year was kind yeah, of yeah. down. Yeah. With COVID screwed, this COVID shit screwed everything up, but yeah. anyway, let's move on. Uh, Max mentioned the chalkboard with all the check marks. And speaking of that, uh, check marks as to why the, sh- the race shouldn't be called worlds. Here's a few examples of that. Maybe even though we just discredited what Max said, maybe these examples <laughs> go in his favor. I don't know. Glenn Helen, uh, these two gentlemen are very familiar with Glenn Helen, yes. by the way, and everything that goes on at Glenn Helen. Uh, you've ridden there a bunch before back in the day, of course, and uh, everything else. So you came down for your first World Vet title. Um, what'd you think? 
Well, <clears throat> I've been to Glen Helen lots, yeah. so I know what it's all about back in the old days, but always heard lots about the event and wanted to take part in it, and it lived up to uh, all my expectations. <laughs> uh, it really started off, Steve, right from we rolled in there at practice, you know, On wrong, yeah. wrong wristband color yep, that yep. they gave me because they didn't ask what class you were supposed to be in, who you were practicing with. 150 dudes on the track at once, all skill levels, 80-year-old guys, doesn't matter. What, what would be wrong with, like, everyone has a job. Everyone's older. Nobody's Not go- everyone has a job. Okay. Wouldn't it be funner? I don't even know if that's a word. More fun. <laughs> More fun. More fun. More fun. If they just took an hour in the middle of the day and groomed it, that is not fun going around that place. There's no moment where you're like, oh, this is awesome. You are literally hanging on, just trying to get around this track. You're, you're not really racing. I said there's not one part of that motocross track that makes you go, fuck yeah, that was awesome. Right. Like, I loved hitting that corner, or I loved hitting that jump. It was literally painful, like, on the body <laughs> and on the mind, every single part of the track. Yeah. Like, you would think coming back onto the start straight, a yeah. straightaway into the beautiful, world-famous Talladega corner with yeah. the Glen Helen sign in the background. Yeah. You'd think you just sit down on your dirt bike, grab fourth gear, and just roll it on. That's not the case, Steve. And you know that firsthand. <laughs> yeah. It's cha-cha-cha-cha-cha, head shake, fucking barely hang on. The sign's coming. You're losing the sun's front Sun's in end. your eyes. The sun's in your eyes, and there's these little <laughs> shitty-ass pebbles that are just fucking beaming off your in-between where your goggles are on your face and your fingertips. You're like, ah, you got the, the claw grip, right? It's interesting. So, Galti, this thing, right, it's funny how we just talked about it's the World Championships. It's world famous. Guys come, thousands of guys show up from all over the world every year for this thing. But nobody's having fun. It doesn't sound like on the track. Like none of the, none of the riding is really fun. Everybody's scared to death. We talk about that. They'll talk about that a little bit later. Like it's mind blowing that this thing has become what it has become. But it almost sounds miserable. Uh, but now I could support Max Stefan a little bit by saying that uh, with all the negative side of it, you should the world part probably shouldn't represent because when you throw the world in there, it should be organized and run <laughs> yeah, properly exactly. and safely. I guess so. Maybe that part definitely bites the the, in the butt. But I want to say that my good old buddy Ryan Lockhart's being a little over dramatic on the selling of this, and I think Steve, like literally, like I said, the beginning of the show was almost identical to the one two years ago. Yep. Yep. And that was sort of Steve back into the fold again of racing and everything like that. Like, this is literally a cookie cutter of that, but a little bit more dramatic. We Every time they talk about Glen Helen, it's a shithole. It's rough. It's disorganized. It's this. And then the show is the exact same thing again. Like, it almost, going into it, you knew what you were going to get, and they amplified the dramatics. And, again, Noof said that he's ridden there a ton before, so maybe he wasn't like me. But for me, when I went there, going down Mount St. Helen, I had never been there before. I literally wish I brought my phone and like took a picture when I was at the top of it. Oh yeah. Be like, oh yeah. man, this is cool. Like watching the nationals and maybe, you know, that's what all these other guys, these C's and B's and novices and other guys are saying, but the guys on the show have been there so much. They're, they're, you know, tattooed with this negative response, if you will. And like all these other guys, like you said, nobody seems to have any fun. Uh, but man, there's 900 plus entries that were there this weekend. Uh, the year that we went, the year that I was there, it was like 1,600. So uh, there's a lot of people out there finding the fun somehow. Uh, this show definitely doesn't, you know, speak to that. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's funnier. The, the stories are funnier with the way they do it. So maybe they are 
over exaggerating it a little bit. You, like you kind of said about new, maybe he's maybe they're playing it up a little bit. Austin, um, I guess like the, to kind of solidify what he just said, there were callers later in the night that had been there, were on their way home. My buddy texted me about it because I was trying to get him to call in. And he's like, yeah, you know, for the most part, it was fun. So I guess they do have fun. Maybe the general public's experience is not the same as Pulp MX's experience. Oh, I mean, just outside looking in, any any race weekend has its really big perks, ups and downs. But for something like of this caliper, besides the looseness of maybe like the staging, the how signups went, how practices <laughs> went, you're racing with different classes, the lap time. The thing that cracked me up was how one race was four laps and the oh, next yeah. race was like 20 plus one. Yeah. So like if they just tightened it up on the organization and the, the scheduling, obviously it'd be a great weekend no matter what. Yeah, but Steve made that point. In, outside looking in, I'm sure it's still a great time because like um, Caldy said earlier, it's just a bunch of older fellas hanging out drinking beer every night, just shooting the shit, having a good time, just riding their dirt bikes at the end of the day while you're still competing in a sense. And yeah, my, my the other thing I can add in, um, I can't agree with Newf a little bit. Maybe the track itself, I'm sure did need maintain. Cause I've been there on plenty of Tuesdays and Thursdays where it is so high speed. There's so much chop. Like it's not a fun track. Like, it's a fun track to train on and ride, but like, if you're coming just to have a good time riding, I wouldn't say it's a gnarly track. It's gnarly. Yeah, as, as in my, you're getting sandblasted. It's it's a you're getting beat up by roost, the chop suspension never feels great there. Right, <laughs> your brakes are all hot. Yeah, some like, for myself, somebody that's a vet, yeah, novice, intermediate, somewhere in that that level riding, like all that chop's not fun. I want the the brownie. I want it smooth and fast and you know a good highway a yeah good highway. well not hard pack <laughs> deep but not choppy like steve mentioned you know the fast guys they're breaking here and then there's these other guys us guys that are breaking way here and you get all these weird breaking bumps in between because of the different skill levels and then you get somebody like me that's just like holding on for dear life through all that shit you know so it's not as much fun but the hangout aspect as you guys mentioned that was where i had fun when i was there hanging with my buddies watching them you know, it was a freaking flood the year I was there. So, yeah, they had to cut Mount St. Helens out at one point because people couldn't get up it. whole thing was entertaining, as was Pulpa Mech. So, um, anyway, even if they are being negative, Galdi, a little bit, you know, more negative than maybe the average guy, it all works for the show. That's really what we're here to talk about. So um, Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But the more drama, the better the show, right? 100%. Yeah. In a sense, maybe not being so negative, they were just kind of being real, you know, honest. Yeah. For them, yeah, and yeah. Like, at the end of the day, I bet if you ask those guys, I'm not sure if they said it or not, but at the end of the day, I bet they all still had a blast. Well, obviously, I Kiefer mean, did. Maybe, oh, yeah. maybe not Maybe not Steve, because he's still mad about the metal part, but <laughs> uh, I'm sure I, I'm sure Steve had fun, too. I mean, you're all you're hanging out with your buddies. You're going to ride your dirt bike. Like, at the end of the day, I'm sure you know that You know Steve at all, Austin? He's, he's a hard no. man to find the fun. He's a very no, not I I don't know him at all. Man. I've seen him at a I've seen him at a couple races, and I've tried to introduce myself just because I am a fan of the show and everything. But every time I try to, I'm usually busy doing something, or it's usually a teardown, so I'm usually trying to help tear down. So yeah, I've always wanted to introduce myself to him, just be nice and respectful. But I just never had the chance yet. 
Well, hopefully we'll make that happen. But yeah, he even when he's doing something he loves, it's hard to be for sure yeah. that, he, that he's having fun. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> I've uh, gotten that vibe. Speaking of fun, Guts Racing makes riding fun. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career. Galdi, from Steve Lampson and McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's style performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. Uh, let's stick with Glenn Helen for a few more minutes. Um, let's, let's listen to this. At the national, it was like, let's make doubles and triples that are 130 Huge. foot minimum. Yep. And then let's water it endlessly. And then let's send them up the biggest, tallest uphills and downhills of all time. Like when we don't, we went on the REM track. Yeah. Death defying. Yeah. Sections back there. We're racing the world vets where the 70 year old guy is breaking here and then Chris Kiefer is breaking here, right? Yeah. So in between is all of us breaking. Right. And so you just end up with this bumps everywhere because you, ha- you don't have the same skill yeah. level of yeah. riders or you got 125s and 450s, you know, you- and you have so many guys on the track. It's the only track that I ever raced on for national that I was truly scared of. Every single skill level. It yeah. was scary yeah. for everybody. There comes a point in time where safety should be paramount for these guys so they could go to work on Monday. You come down Mount St. Helens, and right as you get down to the bottom, you make a hard left to go back up. So there is literally no inside line. You can come down this hill, and then you got a berm. And then I saw, I was down there watching you and new Dudes are launching off of the berm because they can't stop in time. <laughs> the fence is halfway blown down since Friday. It hasn't been put back up. A water main broke at some point. And flooded a section of the track. Eric Phipps from Works Connection came back. He looked like he came back from a GNCC. <laughs> he was covered. I think he go off the track through a pond. His bike smelled like that muddy water. Like, all right, Austin. So the stories continue to come in the first hour. So they just keep coming. We're not done yet. We still have more audio. Oh, uh, yeah. But uh, I, I, a couple things I want to touch on is like Kiefer's story of going down Mount St. Helens, like hit home because the first time I went down that hill and I always, I always describe my experience there with probably some of that same exaggeration that I say I was on the front brake. I was on the rear brake and I was still gaining speed and I don't know I'm going down the hill going, how the fuck am I going to make that turn? Because I can't <laughs> stop every single lap. And then of course the pros are out there, you know, just like pinned going down the hill and it doesn't make any logical sense. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, those stories, the water main breaking, like, this is just, like, how can there be these min- this many issues? And we haven't even gotten to all of them yet, Austin, but the, the event just continues to go. And, I mean, what are you going to do? But these stories, like, you, Steve couldn't make all these stories up for a show. If he was just like, let's create a story full of awesome stories that happen. I don't think you could create all these. It's just mind-blowing how these weekends go year after year and maybe sorry um what i was thinking at the touch first on the the breaking anyone that goes to vet nationals like my my suggestion would be please bleed your brakes make sure your rotors are clean because there's gonna be times to lock those things up like you're gonna have to lock them up and also i don't i don't know i haven't we haven't been on the moto grind lately obviously we're on supercross but maybe it sounds like with all the problems Maybe with the vet nationals and maybe hopefully going forward, it just sounds like 
maybe the infrastructure needs a little a uh, little tune up and you think I, I think i think they had yeah i think they had riding there maybe the tuesday before but maybe it sounds like for next year just an idea maybe they should shut the track down for like a whole week in advance clean up the parking lot get like a sign-up booth organized your practice lines your staging areas maybe they just need to take a week in advance to make sure all your watering systems all your tractors all your machines your gate it just sounds like they need to take like a week or two before the event to really make sure everything's in line and organized so everything's really smooth sailing this is what i think i like it like. i like it galdi that's very logical and steve sort of touched on that a little bit but as steve says they're not going to fucking do that because all they want is the money Oh, yeah. Uh, I think they should hire Austin from everything he just said there. So mm-hmm. you have a job next year. So uh, when you're done working all week doing that, you can come over, drink cruise lights, and work up my bike. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, it's for sure. Steve Steve makes some good points. Um, you know, uh, some of the selling points that he – or some of the ways that he sells it. Um, like he was even worried, and, and I'm sure you're going to bring it up about what John Anderson called, saying, oh, I hope I didn't piss him off and, and stuff like that. But, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like, these guys have been going to the races for 40 years, man. They see this, they see that. And then when you go to Glen Helen and with this world title and you have all these mishaps, I mean, obviously a water main breaking, I guess, is uncontrollable. Unless a Pulp MX fan did that on purpose, knowing that the show on Monday would needed some extra love. That's so maybe that's one the of the truth. flaggers. Yeah, one of the flaggers stabbed their flag through the, <laughs> through the water main and let that happen. But, um Again, like you just he, like again, they can't make this stuff up. And but with all this stuff going on, it it just seems like you know from the outside looking in, it's like yeah, they're just over they're over there with the money machine going, <laughs> counting all the cash coming in, and and it's not seeing it put back in. And we've seen that for you know since the beginning of time at races. Every once in a while, a promoter just takes advantage of things, and you you can kind of sense that that's the way this seems like it's going from the pulp show and, and things that have gone on. And again, they're, they are, yes, they're dramatic. Like I was, I was busting their chops being a little over dramatic, but it's all the truth. Like it's all, it's all makes sense. Truth of it too. So it's, right. um, it's pretty wild. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Makes for great radio, which again, why these shows are probably my favorite shows. Uh, Austin, yeah, let's yeah. get, I want to get a little bit of your background, Austin, uh, as far as pulp goes. I know you're a listener. I got a chance to meet you at Hangtown, and it was clear that you were a pulp fan uh, you were, you know, you're pretty excited to talk about Pulp MX. When did you first discover Pulp MX? How did you kind of come to find it? And, you know, like I, I used to ask this question, like, how has it changed your day-to-day life? And I had some listeners like twi- Twitter followers or whatever tell me that was a stupid question, but it really does change. <laughs> it really does change like your day-to-day sometimes when you look forward to listening, maybe you get through work a little bit better because you have this to listen to, but Give me a little bit of your pulp and mix background. Um, for me, I started listening to it mainly when I uh, went to tech school about three years ago to become a mechanic, or uh, about four years ago now, I guess, to become a mechanic. And um, one of the classmates I had went there, he listened to the show a lot, and I would kind of just listen to it on here, here and there with him. And he was big into it. He listened to all the episodes from the past, all of that. And uh, so I got into it slowly. I didn't listen to it like consistently after that for about a year, probably. Yeah. And for me, it's, I don't really listen to much at work. At work, I just, we have a radio. It's over in, in our whole work area. So we kind of just listen to music. But for me, it's just really nice. Like um, whenever I go see my fiance or anything, it's about a 45 minute drive up there. So it's, it passes time driving up there and back down throughout the week. So for me, it helps like 
driving on quite a bit. Yep. And for me, like, I, it's hard for me to listen to anything other than Moto Podcast. I don't, I know a lot of people get into Joe Rogan and just stuff like that. But for me, it's, it's tough to get into those kind of podcasts for me. So I just enjoy Moto. And that's why the Pulp Show for me is really nice. It takes five hours. So it, it really passes a lot of time. It keeps me, I mean, I hear a lot of the inside stuff already being where I'm at, but Pulp even gets more info than I hear about. So it's always just kind of interesting to see what he has to say about stuff. And I don't know. I just like being in, in tune with all the motocross stuff that obviously is my life. So yeah, I just really like being involved with it and hearing what he has to say on his, on his side. I like the answer. Uh, so if there was one thing, if you had a chance to sit down with Steve, if there was, is there like one question about the show or about his career that you're interested in or wonder about? Is there anything that stands out that you would ask him? Um, I probably should have given you a heads up on this. Yeah, that's oh man, that's a tough one to think about. Off the top well, think of my about head. it, and we'll come back to it. How about that? Yeah, give me like two minutes. I could probably think of something. Okay. Well, while we're doing that, let's shift gears. Uh, as I mentioned, Justin Bogle was on the show. Didn't really pull any of his audio, Galdi, but um, really a, a good interview, right? He he recently signed with Twisted T Hep Suzuki. Uh, he came on the show Monday night, gave a little bit of time to talk about that. He's always a great guest. Seems to have built a bit of a relationship with Steve, where they're you know like a lot of the writers do, where they're friends. They they can joke. They can talk shit. Uh, I, I like the Justin Bogle interview. I do wish when JT had asked him, like, what's something that you think the bike, the Suzuki, needs improvement on? I kind of wish he was able to be a little more open and honest because I feel like he just kind of gave us the the cookie-cutter answer a little bit, Galdi. But just, I, I, what do you think about Bogle's interview? And was it what – was there anything you wish they'd gotten out of him that he, they didn't? Uh, I think it's safe to say that he's excited. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, he, used, he used that term about 7,500 times in the thing. Um, and I mean, I think, I think like anytime uh, Steve or the JT kind of goes questions when they put that rider on the spot, you very rarely get that answer that you want unless it's say you know, Chad Reed-ish True. Kind of guy that True. is very open and stuff like that. Um, I'm, a lot of times I feel like a guy like a Bogle or maybe a Sabachi or – these guys that aren't, you know, chasing that same carrot that is out there for the Tomax, the Ferrandis now, that kind of stuff, they're they're a little, maybe a little bit worried about walking that fine line because they never know when their next meal is going to get delivered or next ride is going to be there because they always have these issues kind of thing. So I think that would be the reason why he would maybe walk around that question. And um, to be honest, again, that bike really hasn't changed a lot in, I don't know what, since 08 yeah. <laughs> or something like that. So, um I think he's just walking a fine line. He seems like he's in a really good place. Um, I've always liked watching Bogle ride, and he and like you said, he's always a good interview. He's always he's well spoken. He's you can really kind of sense that his passion and his he's, he works hard. Um, you know, if you're just a casual fan looking from the outside in, sort of what was brought up, I think, towards the end of his interview about some negativity. I think Steve sent the, uh, sent out a tweet or or that game, and, and somebody answered back like that guy's a dick. He's yeah. get fired or. Like, something like that. I can't remember how it was played out, but uh, it, it'd be easy to do that. Like, as if you're a casual fan, you know, you've seen Justin, unfortunately, get great starts and, you know, maybe finish 7th or 10th or 12th or even farther back. And you're like, why the hell is this guy on a team? He's fading. But when you really get to hear his voice, you know, it sounds like he's, he's deep. He spends his time. He puts his work in. And sometimes the cookie just didn't fall or the cars didn't fall the way he was there. But... Um, you can tell in this interview, it seems like he's in a real good place. He's going to be staying at the, 
what is it? Uh, Compound eighty three. Yep. Um, which should be comical. You got the the Lawrence brothers, Cooper Webb over there, Zach Osborne, who is is a just seems like a great advocate of the of what's going on the up and up. Uh, hopefully, he's the back thing with him, but that's not even a part of the show. But I, I feel like he's going to fit in there well. You're going to see some good Instagram fun, and I think that um, you know, like everybody always says, if you're having fun, you can ride a lot better and and be you know do what you uh, know you can do. And I you can kind of sense that Vogel is seeing that right now in the future. And we're going to see her too soon uh, once the gate drops. But uh, you know, I I felt like he. Uh, like you were saying, any guest that comes in on the World Vet Show, if they don't really have a tie into it, you kind of get shunned a smidge on the show a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that. But sticking with Bogle, it's funny. I have in my notes, you said this twice. I wrote, it seems like he's in a good place. So we both got the same vibe from that. He talk, You know, he's talked about in the past where he, he basically had nothing, right? He just had a lawn chair and a, a, a bed or whatever, you know. He, the guy will go all in. He, he talked about a bunch on Monday night about – I want to test a lot. I hope these guys are ready to put some overtime in. So it seems like his head's That's in the cool. right spot. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got me pretty positive on him, which he's a guy, like you said, that I kind of, well, the keyboard warriors will go, oh, that guy sucks. He doesn't deserve a ride. But he's a he's almost a forgotten guy sometimes because his results mm-hmm. haven't been good. But this interview Monday night, Austin, has me thinking, God, man, I, I really can't wait to see what he brings. You know, I don't expect him to be a podium guy by any means, probably not even a top five guy most of the time, but I want to see the fight he's going to have. I want to see what he can do with that bike. And really, the only thing that's got me thinking that or or got me fired up on him was the interview from Monday night with Steve. Yeah, I, I got to touch on Goldie said, hey, he definitely said he was excited. And um, I believe just the new scenery – and just a breath of fresh air kind of you like you said he didn't have the results he wanted with rocky mountain yeah that plays a factor in mood a lot but knowing he has a team that's willing to support him and not saying that rocky mountain wasn't either but i'm just saying like with a new team willing to support him and go over the top to help him out i think it'll definitely speak speak levels for him and i know he's willing to put the work in he seems to have a really good vibe yeah and i think that i think the hep team as a whole too they have a lot of good people a lot of good They'll have a good time. They're also willing to put the work in. So, I mean, I definitely got a good vibe from the guy. And people forget he's won. He won a lights title in Supercross with Geico. So he definitely knows how to win a championship. He knows how to win races. And like you said, I don't think he'll win races or get a top five just because 450 class is super stacked. And you have a lot of guys like you have 10 to 12 guys that can go out there and win. But I definitely think he'll have he'll make a presence in the top ten quite a bit. And who knows? I could see him even podium heat races. I could see him even trying to go for wins in heat races, possibly. So sure, yeah, you know, I, I think he'll definitely bring a, a renowned energy to the team. So yeah, he. We'll like, just have to see. It. It's hard to tell. I haven't seen any like footage of him racing or riding that new bike, even even just outdoors. But mm-hmm. and I don't have any intel I can give about him. So. Well, he is he is a really great guy to talk to. He, he's always very friendly and upbeat when you talk to him. Even when he's had a bad day, he seems to be, at least when he talks to you, he's always pretty upbeat. So uh, I, I think he's he deserves well. I hope to see him do well. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the fans that don't know him, it, it's unfortunate. Hopefully those guys listen to shows like this and they get to know him a little bit. He, um, I also, Galdi, I, I liked his comment. You know, they asked him about his outfits that he wears. He's... He, he kind of joked about it. He's like, ah, my checkings and savings aren't really allowing for what I've done in the past. Like, he, he kind of realizes, I got to step back. I'll, I'll have a few. But 
that's not my priority right now, you know? So uh, I, I just, some of the things he said, even touching on what Austin said a minute ago, he, he said something about, uh, I think Rocky Mountain supported him, you know, and, and all that. He said that, right? He's like, hey, Rocky Mountain had my back, even though I didn't give them the results. So, like, saying things like that, I, I love that. He didn't say, well, the bike wasn't good. He's like, I, I didn't give them the results, man, but they had my back anyway. Those things, Galdi, just a couple of those things he said shows his character. Yeah, I, I think that I think that just comes with uh, maturity. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, when when he was young, he was just like any of these young kids, especially in America. They're they're touted so young uh, and picked up from the from right out of the amateur ranks, and and it, they you know it, there's no way you can't get that chip and a little bit of ego. It it, mm-hmm. just, it just comes with it. Whether like you know Justin Bogle, like you just said, he is a really nice guy. But at some point, there was just a time when he had a chip or an ego where it may have bit him in the butt or got him in the way. And then injuries kind of went around him. And then once this downtime happened, when he was sitting in the lawn chair and sleeping on a beanbag, you know, the maturity is like, man, I need to, I need to buck up or smart up or God, I just got to step away here and do this. And, you know, he even said like, again, these, the athletes are, it, it's almost ridiculous the way these guys train now. It, I honestly think it sort of ruins the sport in a little bit because of how much fun that the riding your dirt bike, go back to what Chris Kiefer always says, riding your dirt bike is so much fun. That you know, he brings up the point. He's like, "Man, I'm I'd really like to get some twisted teas over to my house here, you know." And I don't think it's because he wants to get hammered, drunk, no. and, and and head into the bar. But he probably has, likes to have a little cocktail just to ease the mood at the end of the day. Like he's a freaking adult. He's an experienced racer. He's matured enough to the point where he's like, "You know what? Let's go have a pint at the end of the day or a twisted tea and talk about the day like like uh, experienced racers." And then get up in the morning, kick the shit out of the day again, and go after it again, kind of thing. And that's what I felt like when I got out yeah. of the interview. I love that you brought that up because I think he—I don't know the exact quote, but he said something like, "I asked the tea for some twisted tea," and they's like, "We don't want to give our riders a bunch of alcohol." Yeah, and he's exactly. Like, he, he said like, "Well, I didn't necessarily mean a bunch, just some." Yeah, maybe a six pack <laughs> a week, okay? Yeah, like, just a on, six pack. Yeah. Right, that was great. Uh, I did text Steve during that. He ignored it. But uh, I wonder if we'll see a Justin Bogle, Seven Deuce Deuce, hip-hop collab. Ah, uh, they got to do it. They, they got to. Got to get in the studio. All right, you guys ready to go back to uh, – you guys ready to get back to Glen Helen? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we haven't talked about that yet. Yeah, let's get back to it. At one point, <laughs> you never knew when you were in staging. Like, everyone was just <laughs> – they didn't. Oh my God. They would just call your number from a megaphone at the very front, but there was Dude. four races of guys in yeah. gates and guys going, "Excuse me, what oh, race?" What? Staggered start. Just no, 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 just to get to the starting line. Look at and they it had was fence. like trying to corral. It was like trying to corral a herd of cattle. Yes. They had this wide chute and then narrowed it down to three feet yeah. with 90 bikes trying to stage. And, and there was no what? listing of, like, what race was on the line or what was going. Like, a simple person at, at the front of the stage, at the, before the corral started, if that guy could be like, what race are you, sir? Nine? We're staging eight. Wait here. Right, right. Wait here. Eight? Go. Go. You know, eight race eight. No, 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 no. Yeah. Everyone flood in and just sit there. And it wasn't wide. It wasn't it was, wide, yeah. and wait for your fucking gate, and hopefully you hear your megaphone, which you won't because it's. I'm I'm back to my point. Okay. No longer the world. Okay. It's just a vet race. There's always a race order in the program. Mm-hmm. It's never fucking right. <laughs> never. The race order that is printed in the program has never been the race order. 
ever. So why print it every year? You never know how many laps you're doing. You never know. If there was a fucking trap door that leads to hell, I'd fall in it. That for Chicken's Race, he started where there was no gate, and he just was he was in third gear by the time the gate dropped. Hey, hey. Plus 30 to one, 125 race, yes, which we'll get to yes, in a second. A guy jumped out in the middle of the race on, a three eight, laps in. on an 86, 125. Two, in or, a, two or three laps in. Yeah. He said there were six flaggers on a three-minute track. One. Photo I saw on Instagram of a flagger asleep. Somebody told me they saw a flagger on the other side of a chain link fence. This is fucking nom. There's no rules. <laughs> Any, you could you could kill a man. It's oh, fine. Okay. This is this is exactly the reasons why I fucking love it. This is, <laughs> this is oh, like, I mean, I almost fucking t-boned an ambulance. That yes, oh, yes. The track. An ambulance went across the track in the oh, middle of the moto. Oh, uh, a lot to uh, unravel. <laughs> a lot to unravel there, Austin. But some of those things are legitimate, like you were talking about, really need to get organized, Austin. You seem like the organizational type of guy. Uh, Some of those things are dangerous, right? Six flaggers is not even close to enough fucking flaggers, if that's accurate. Uh, You know, the the, 125, anybody's jumping into the middle of race. A lot of stuff that's kind of dangerous and a little scary. Yeah, I agree. And, like, back to what he was saying, just to be, like, with the racing, it sounds like they almost need, like, a baseball status or, like, the person that's on the gate, on deck, second race, like a second line, and, and the whole third line, you know? Like, yeah. It almost it sounds like they have, like, three lines. Each gate has the numbers for, like, the starting order. It obviously sounds like maybe they need to spend – and the, the thing with the flaggers is these races, I know – I don't know about the vet world. I don't know about that, but I know a lot of races that they hire flaggers for, like, maybe $50 a day. So it's like a kid's going to obviously – like, they're not going to take it very serious, and it's going to be hard to find people when you're – offering very little and this is just a number i'm throwing out i'm not trying to say anything bad yeah but i'm just saying to find flaggers and to get enough you have to pay a decent amount you have to find someone that's willing to actually pay attention because it is dangerous and it speaks volumes already because of the finish line incident with the lessee or never mind sorry that was different that was the guy rolling the finish line but besides the point i heard after that crash even like there was no flaggers on the track to because i saw people still jumping by like there could have been even more injuries after that happened. So, I mean, it might have been an exaggerated number by Steve on the six, but I don't know. I, I can see it, though, on that kind of racetrack, having nothing there. And I agree with the organization. Um, I have a lot of – I have quite a bit of anxiety with stuff that's not organized, so I would be <laughs> shitting my pants if I showed up to that race. And they're calling well, seven races forward. Yeah. I would, dude, I don't know what I'd do. Well, you, you mentioned having three lines at the at in staging – and I wanted to say a lot, like you mean like every other track on the, yeah, the country? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And even Steve said he wants to get like, go spend a hundred dollars and get a uh, practice pass like, no. stickers, like $15, one, two, three, col- $15. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> color coordinated. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, he, he already bought them. He actually ordered them. Uh, but oh, sure. we're going to get to that audio. I still have that. We still have more to go, boys. Still have more to go. Oh, I know. Sorry. I'm, I'm jumping the gun. No, it's here. fine. It's fine. Uh, okay. So Austin, as a mechanic, you probably don't mind doing this, but I'm going to bet Galdi doesn't like changing uh, fork seals. How do you feel about that, Galdi? Fuck no. Me either. Well, no. that's why you need seal savers. Seal savers yeah. has, has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry since 1999. 
Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dust and mud from getting into your fork seals. Pulp 25 to save at pulp at sealsavers.com. Check out their full line of motor products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Austin, I don't know how many, you know, I know you probably, that you guys have your own suspension guys, but still, chaining a fork seal, if you don't have the right tools, is a pain in the ass. Or for the average guy that doesn't have a mechanic, dude, slap some seal savers on there, and they never, yeah. get, they never blow out. No, that, yeah, I mean, like you said, we have WP, so I'm really lucky not have to deal with yeah. suspension. I, I feel for suspension guys, as in, just, not just with fork seals, but nothing ever seems some days to be right on a bike, you know? And, uh, but yeah, the, even fork seals alone, just even doing that job for something small fork oil is not clean by any means either. It's a mess. Yeah. I don't like doing it at all. So I suggest seal savers use that code. Uh, let's talk Galdi. Let's talk some general pulp MX talk. Let's get away from the show for just a minute or this particular show. Steve's new house. You haven't been yet, right? Galdi? No, I haven't got to go to the Taj Mahal. The Palace. So, <laughs> the palace, yeah, yeah I, I find it funny. I think the last two shows, maybe it was a show before that, but somebody has talked about the gates, the gated community. They talked about it this particular week. Uh, I mean, honestly, dude, it's it's one gate into the gated community, but then Steve has a gate at his house. But the place is pretty rad. I don't know about the – it's only 300 square feet bigger. I have no idea. I do like the, the room that JT was talking about. Yeah. Dude, this is so great because when I was in studio a month or so ago, six weeks, whatever it was, I went up in the studio and I was like, oh, what's?" I, I was looking out the window at the pool and there's this hallway that walks, you know, goes outside or not hallway, but a balcony. I was like, oh, what's that door over there? Was, oh, that's just some other room. I was, I was like, oh, shit, you got like a bungalow out here, a hidden bungalow. Apparently that's where JT stayed, but this place um, it's is pretty impressive, Galdi. Steve likes to downplay it. Now, listen, I feel like Steve has earned it, man. He he does a lot of hard work, and he his sponsors pay well because he promotes well. But still, I mean, it's fun to bust his balls about this place, and he just downplays it. Oh, 100%. I, uh, I'll, I'll totally agree with what you just said. He has worked his bag off, come from nothing, sleeping on buddy's couches, working for nothing for mechanics, getting paid, all that kind of stuff to where it is. So he has earned every dime. But his personality invites you to bag on everything he does. And I'm just going to throw it out there. That is the Canadian way of living. Okay? We, <laughs> okay. There, I, I, there's a theory in Canada that we all live like lobsters. Okay? And if you ever watch, if you ever put live lobsters in a bucket and try to cook them, one will try to get free. The other one just pulls them right back down. Yeah. All right. Nobody in Canada likes to let anybody get ahead of it. But oh, we're the same as you. Like right now, I'm the same as, as fucking Wayne Gretzky, Connor McDavid. Who the hell are those guys? These hockey players that are making fifty million dollars a year. You know what I mean? Like, there's just we we're all the same up here, and that has literally been the way that Canadian live, and that's the way me and all my buddies uh, hang out with each other, and we just talk shit. Yes. And that's I think the camaraderie of of being a bro. That's literally the definition of being a bro, someone that you could have go out and talk, you know, uh, serious stuff about with, or also be like, Oh, Hey man, like your, your chicks, uh, got real big knockers. Can I take a look at them kind of thing? Or, <laughs> or oh, by the way, you, you work, you work really hard. Why do you got such a big house? And like, just, it just, that you just open the door for that fun poking. And that's exactly what this is uh, going on right here. And it's good for him. You know, he works hard there and, and he's got Pookie and him have a great life. They chose not to do the kid thing because I'll tell you right now, they would not probably have that fucking house if they had three kids like me. 
<laughs> okay? yeah, oh yeah. The money goes <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. But it's um, they're able to live it and get, get get on them. They deserve it. Steve's done a great job, and I mean, in our world, other than you ever hear about racer, racers getting paid and making money, he's doing it, man. He's turned it you know, uh, his sort of dream, I guess, into reality. And it's, it's a pretty cool fucking story. And then, you know what, if you're making money, do it by all means. It's not illegal to make money. You shouldn't feel bad about making money, but especially if you're doing a good job. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Um, Austin, for you, the show has gone through a lot of improvements over the last few years, especially since uh, Marks has taken over the producer slash camera. I, I don't even know what his title is anymore. Uh, the show's come a long way. I don't know if you ever get a chance to watch the YouTube, Facebook feeds, but is there anything with the show, probably the way you listen, you won't, you won't have an answer for this, but is there anything that you'd like to see changed, improved, uh, upgrades, anything like that that ever you think, man, I wish they would do this? Um, I don't know. I, um, I just actually watched a little bit. The past two shows I've tried to watch on YouTube a little okay. bit Monday night if I have time. And actually, I think it's kind of cool when they're talking about something. And I don't know if that's Mark's job. I'm assuming it is, but how they can pull up the clips at the same time as they're talking about something they're discussing, so they can kind of split the screen. Yep, that's Mark. And uh, yeah, that's I think that's so cool how they can split the screen while they're talking about something. Or I, for for me, I think it's funny with the animations when, like I think last night, Noof was drinking White Claws and or Monday night, sorry. And every time he finished one, you could see like the counter go up one. Yep. It rang a little bell, like that stuff. That stuff to me is pretty funny. I, I have that kind of sense of humor. I got a pretty dumb sense of humor, so I, I laugh at a lot of dumb shit. Yeah, but, that the the um, white claw count and in like the uh, the the carrots in the ears, the little carrot uh, cartoon or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that, that all started. Yeah, that started. At, that's improvements, right? And if you just listen to the audio, you miss out on a big portion of the show. I think because there's little things that you don't see. You might hear the dinger go off with the audio, but you don't see the count. You don't see them opening the cans. You don't see, you know, bets or noof stacking the, the white claws, you know, one after the other. I think, yeah, I think that the video improvement is probably my favorite thing they've changed over the years. Uh, Galdi, what do you think about the rotating co-host? I think that's a big part of Pulp that he has different guys in all the time. Sometimes, like next week is uh, Parabinos. He was just in not too long ago. Maybe sometimes they come in too much. I don't know. That's kind of teach their own, I guess, but... You, you like the rotating co-host, I have to assume. Uh, yeah, I don't mind it. I mean, it's the it's a show, so why not bring in as many personalities as you possibly can? It's not like you're watching Friends and you build a relationship with five different people kind of thing. But even then, as the shows grow and carry on, they bring in cameos. So yeah. what would be the difference in this sense of things, right? So I, I, I'm 100% uh, cool with it all, and I don't mind it if, uh, like, I mean, Kiefer is entertaining as hell. Randy is always entertaining as hell. Um, you bring in a guy like Parabinos and Castellu, who are, they're not like there for the entertainment factor, but they're there for the knowledge and sort of, and um, expertise. Uh, same with JT, you get a little bit of both with everything like that. And yeah. then you bring in a guy like Max Steffens this weekend, who's got a little more industry insider. It was kind of cool uh, that Steve was talking about that thing. And I, I really wish they dropped the name. I don't know if you know who it was. I know that he brought it up a few weeks ago, who Fly was trying to get it. Just It'd be cool to know who it was and who was available and maybe where that, that rider ended up going. Yeah. Um, but they didn't bring it up on the show, so I'm guessing it's not you know knowledge that's being thrown around. Uh, but like stuff like that, like you, you don't get that from every person all the time, you know. And and you get the Phil Micheletti on there and that kind of stuff. So I, yeah, I I say that the the way that it's flowing uh, with the type of co-hosts and stuff like that, I think it's great. I think it's a uh, a the total package. I mean, I'm I'm like Austin. 
I don't really listen to anything but moto podcasts. Um, I, I tried the Rogan stuff for a while, but fuck, I can't get into politics, man. I just can't listen to that shit anymore. I yeah. honestly don't care what those kind of people talk about. Like, it's, I'm 43. I'm not going to change. I like motocross. <laughs> I'm going to listen to motocross. So, there you go. Um, you know, so I agree. I think the show and the, and the revolving co-host is, is a, a win-win. Yeah, I think it's great. Like, if you go back and listen to the old shows with, like, Steve and Watson, where they were both co-hosts, I didn't like those as much. Like, I, I kind of like Steve being the only, you know, weekly guy, and then everybody else is rotating. That's I, I like that. I think that works best for me with this show. Now, I do listen to a lot of other podcasts, and they might they have multiple co-hosts or, or multiple hosts that are there every week, just like my show, right? I have two, two or three guys that are here every week. Uh, but I, I think for Pulp, I think it's perfect the way he does it. But um, – a couple yeah. other things before we get back to this episode. Some of the segments, like I, I've said on here over and over and over, Race Tech Rant is almost always my favorite segment. There's some things that have been gone for a while. We haven't really heard the emails in a while. We haven't heard voicemails in a long time, and I'm fucking glad. I hate the voicemails because they all <laughs> bag on me. But uh, Austin, any, <laughs> Austin, any, uh, any preferences on segments, anything that you wish they'd bring back, like um, – the 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 voicemails right or, or I like the game shows when they do game shows they don't do them every week I think there should be one every three or four shows though I like those but anything that really that that you love what's your favorite what's your least favorite oh yeah the, the trivia's are always fun because it's kind of just showing you see who really knows each other mm-hmm. I think Nick Letty and Amart Amart did one that was pretty funny I think Jake and uh, Villapoto did one so that was oh yeah good. the race tech rants are always super solid. I mean, I just they're they're, they're a, a weekly thing no matter what, just because I know they're a big sponsor, so he does them. But I'm trying to think, there's not really a one that I don't like. I mean, Keeper After Dark's always classic, and it's kind of Keeper After Dark's nice because it's just I like how they word everything. Like they when they have a kid, they say it's a PW50, yeah, or yeah, like yeah. they always like use use terminology that's freaking hilarious. And the yeah. emails, I do agree, the emails haven't been there for a while, but. Honestly, there's not really a segment that I dislike by any means. Okay. Like, I'm trying to think, I'm, I honestly enjoy quite all of them quite a bit, but I would say the race take rant. I wish Keeper After Dark could happen more often, but I know that's only when Keeper's in, and it's only certain times because I know when the show's running a little too long, they just yeah. cut it. But Yeah, I got screwed. I'm to really think, yeah. I got screwed when I was in studio because he, he was ready to get back home. He had a test in the morning, so we – we had, they hit, they planned on doing Kiefer after dark, and then it just ran long, and he decided not to do it. And I was pretty disappointed. But speaking of the race tech rant, we, we're going to get to that in a moment. But we had a little bit of a a pre rant that I want to play right now. Anyways, the practice order. There's like five groups. Okay. Well, you just get the checkered flag, and you just fucking keep going. Right, right. There's, there's no. There's a guy at the gate, yeah, yeah. but he's not checking <laughs> right, anything. Going. Right, right, right. He's going like this. Yeah. Come on in. Come on in. <laughs> come on in. Come on in. Every, every dirt bike, come right. on in. Welcome. And so I just got off one practice and rode right to the right next back one. Out. And 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 I just and everyone was doing that. If guess what? <laughs> do you know what I'm gonna do next year? Pulpamex. Stay home. Pulpamex. <laughs> I am gonna yes. be the official referee sponsor of practice. Oh. And I'm gonna spend fifteen fucking dollars and get orange orange stickers. Red. Purple purple yeah. stickers. 
red stickers, and you're going to get one of those for your class. And that guy at the gate, if you don't have a red sticker, you're not practicing because it's red practice only. And that's it. That's how you fix it all. Fifteen dollars and one guy. Yeah, he's but nope, very angry. Nope. Just come on down. And, oh but Kiefer, Kiefer, the guy directing the people onto the track. Like, what's he even there for? Everyone can go. Everyone can go. Galdi, were you worried for uh, Steve's health for just a moment? I feel like the rev limiter was definitely peeking out there. It was like yeah. Days of Thunder with Tom Cruise. Went over the red line there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's funny that that was identical in 2019. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it on the show, and I was, I, when I was there, it was the same thing. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to follow this. This guy pulled off in front of me. I'm like, all right, I'll just, I'll just go and ride the next group. But I didn't, we didn't, that year, we didn't do the Friday practice. We just showed up on, uh, on the Saturday morning and got your three laps or whatever it was. But literally, it was just, a, it was a merry go round. Like, you, like no one came off. It was just yeah. everybody just kept going and kept going, and there would be, you know, ninety, hundred bikes on the track at a time, kind of thing like that. But I mean, uh, there's no one. Again, we just go back to the staff. They don't have anybody staff, and how can you get in trouble? So it's it, that's 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 definitely an easy rant. That's just paving the rant uh, road for Steve right there. Yeah, I like fifteen dollars and one guy. So yeah, <laughs> Steve's got it figured out. But I, I was telling my story earlier about you know the Saturday practice and I had to ride with the pros. You said three laps, but because Dubok and chicken are a thousand times faster than I, I barely got two laps. I, th- I don't even know if I yeah. got two laps. I think I might've gotten just the one. Cause I literally had never been on the track before. So I was going super fucking slow that first lap. So then I rolled off. I rolled across the finish line, rode right back over to the start and lined back up again for whatever that next practice was and got a couple more in to learn the track. But yeah, uh, so it worked in my favor because I didn't. I needed yeah. no organization or I would have been fucked. But, uh, yeah, let's get to the actual Race Tech rant. Pulp 20 to save, I believe that's the code. I, yeah, Pulp 20 to save at Race Tech. Uh, Race Tech is killing it. I appreciate those guys being a part of Pulp Mex. They are not a part of the wrap-up show, but that's all right. Here we go. I got Race Tech gold dollars in my bike, my 21 uh, Yamaha Blucher. Well, hey, I'll break some news right now. I don't know if Checkers wants me opening this up, but obviously you guys have heard I'm getting a YZ250 for cutting my hair uh, through Kiefer and Checkers hit me up and said, you know, he asked me like last week, do you know where the bike is? Does Kiefer have it yet? And I don't know the answer to that. He said, cause we want to do the suspension, but we need it. Yeah. To be- so I'll have some race tech. Sweet. Yeah. I'll have, I'll be riding on pillows on my YZ250 when I am shredding in the near future. That's awesome. Good, good. All right. Race tech rant. My race tech rant of the night, by the way. Fuck me, dude. I'm a loser. That's my rant of the night. I'm a fucking loser. Like, oh, Noof. I got I got Noof coming down and, and getting two medals. Kiefer's the second fastest guy there. And it's just me. Just loser me sitting there. Low T. Yeah. I got nothing. I go 12-7. And I'm even worse Epstein on bar. Sunday. I got Epstein bar. I got low T. I got all of that. Fucking loser well, seat. Like, everyone's winning. Everyone's happy. Heather's, you know, drunk on champagne. Oh, Preston, <laughs> I Preston was there on Saturday. He's a, he's a medal guy. He's second place, although yeah. he was probably pissed. But Preston's, you know, on the podium. Everybody's – and there's just loser me. Like, seriously, everywhere I look, everybody's fucking stoked. Everybody's clanking medals. Everybody's wah, drinking. Wah, wah. Work harder. I wish I was, like, part of the happy group. I was the window licker. <laughs> Austin, uh, do you feel bad for Steve at all? 
Uh, how how hard did he train for this? Uh, legit, how hard did he train? <laughs> well, I don't think he trained very hard. I mean, he rode with uh, Tits or Talon a couple times. Was but... he out here slamming motos, practicing no. starts, eating healthy? <laughs> uh, no, I think I think they kind of touched on that. Uh, JT said to work harder, and and Kiefer, may, you know, kind of hinted at, hey, we tell him these things he needs to do, but we know he's not going to do it. So. Yeah, not so hard. To me, it sounds, I don't know how Steve is as a rider himself, but to me, it sounds like if he could clean up the starts a lot, he might be in better business. I'm, I have a feeling, I've never watched one of his starts or how he races, but something tells me he comes around the first corner about 10th to 13th. Yeah. yeah I don't know if I'm right or not, but. He's, he's not, <laughs> he's not a bad rider. His first year, Galdi, his, his start was atrocious. And Austin, I don't know if you follow my Instagram, but go check out my Instagram because. Oh yeah, I do. I'll okay, so right the reason he said Monday night, "fuck you, Dark Side," which we'll hear in a little bit, is because I posted his start video that I took in nineteen, and I overlaid <laughs> the audio from twenty when he was bitching about the guy beside him that went left right out of the gate. So if you you go watch that because he literally went left immediately out of the gate in nineteen, and then bitched about a guy doing it in twenty. So. You can see his start in 19 on my Instagram page, DarksideMX3. Go check that out. But uh, this year was a lot better, Galdi. I don't know if you saw the video. A lot better. He did do a couple pre-starts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I did I did see the ones, the video. I think Newt had one, and I saw Preston's one as well. Yeah. I'm just doing a little recon here for uh, our friend The Loser, as he just claimed himself. So that year that he went 14-9, he got seventh, right? There was 19 guys. That finished the the motos in in that year. This year there was seventeen. He went twelve twelve seven. So he got more points in the, this year's event, but didn't get a medal. So I don't think he's actually a loser. I think he got screwed. It sounds like it. I think he got. I think he got screwed. There's almost the same amount of riders, and then of course, if you go and look at the results of Noof and Kiefer, there were six guys in their class. <laughs> so Steve was in a tougher yeah. group. There was a lot more aggressive racing, a lot more guys out there. Uh, yes, loser because he didn't get a medal, but he battled a lot more of the um, non-veterans, if you will. Yeah, and again, I think some of this. I think some of this is show hype. I, I don't. Yeah. So <laughs> I think he did get screwed. Like the, yeah, sorry, twelve seven. He got twelve seven for eighth. He went fourteen nine for the other one. It seems like he should have got a medal. I think. Well, Again, maybe they cheaped out on the medals this year. <laughs> Sounds like it's Glenn I, Helen for you. Go ahead, Austin. Yes. <laughs> I kind of kind of the vibe I've gotten from Steve, too. Though. He doesn't sound like the kind of guy that's willing to, like, obviously risk his life for the medal. I think he's wants he wants to be competitive from what I hear, but it also sounds like he's not willing to kill himself. Like he no. wants to still be able to, you know, live. And I, that's, I think he said that on one of the shows. He's like, I'm not going to go out there and kill myself or something. No, he's, <laughs> and I think, I, I think he was like a lucky to be riding. Like, he doesn't like him racing or riding. No, she didn't want him to go last year. No. I know. And, and yeah. if you, yeah. you heard on the show, he asked about the 24 yeah. hours and she held out. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, Pookie's very, very protective of Steve, and it's it's really sweet. It's not like bitchy wife protect overprotective. It's out of yeah. pure concern. I mean, it's no matter what, no matter what, like motocross is a dangerous sport. Yeah, I get it. Well, he does. I do think Steve Galdi, you know him better than I do. I think Steve knows his limits and doesn't try to push those boundaries. Man, he's just, he really is out there just trying to ride for fun, even though he acts like he's not having fun. 
Uh, he's not trying to win a championship. He doesn't really care, I don't think. No, not at all. No, I think they'll, like, being the the e-bike stuff and losing all the weight that he has in, in the past four or five years or whatever it's been, he's been healthy. He probably gets a little more disappointed in himself that he can't do the same thing on the dirt bike. Like, it doesn't seem, I don't think it's attributing, but like Austin was saying, and they say in the show, he doesn't really ride the dirt bike that much nope. compared to what he does on the e-bike. So, you know, like, you know, you got to do a little bit of this to make sure you get something out of it kind of thing. So, yeah, but, um, yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll go on. He's, he's a loser because if you start talking about the way he wants to cut me from the donation team, I'm not happy with him. From the oh, pit bike of nation. Sorry. Yeah, pit bike and, of and we're going to talk about that when we get to Dylan Ryan. Yeah. Cause I have some, <laughs> I have some questions about that, that team. Um, Speaking of e-bikes and training and riding bikes, Michelin Bicycle Tires back on board for 2022 with the wrap-up show. Thanks to Randy Richardson. You guys know all about the Starcross 5s and Pulp, uh, Michelin Motorcycle Tires from Pulp MX. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. Check out bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products, including the E-Wild for your e-bike riders, the Wild Enduro, and many. And now they got BMX tires. If you guys do any BMX training, uh, Austin, I know Max rides a little BMX. Uh, they've got Michelin's got some BMX tires, bro. <laughs> I honestly, I, he rides a lot of dirt jumps and BMX pump tracks. Yeah. The tire sponsor, I'm not sure. What, I don't know if Dunlop hooks it up for that or not. Let's but just say it's Michelin, know, right? I'll, I'll have to let him know Randy Richardson's willing to. I'm, I'm also putting words in Randy's mouth, but maybe he's willing to hook him up some of the tires. I bet we could get him some if Max would, if Max wanted a set. I think that could be done. So I would think, I yeah. would think so. Yeah. All right. Randy, Randy seems like a pretty cool dude. Oh, he's he's the raddest. He he he's the raddest. But God, he did. Uh, let's let's flash back to last year's uh, rap, vet wrap up show or vet show. Uh, and I think you were on the wrap-up show that week, Galdi. I'm not sure, but Randy got under Steve's skin a year ago. Oh yeah, oh yeah, big time. He uh, he does. Steve doesn't like repetitive knocks against him, and Randy laid it out there. God, what he make? 10, 12 videos of starts with songs on them. Yeah, <laughs> I got knocked it down. Was pretty relentless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's yeah. move on. Dylan Wright. We talked about Dylan. Uh, he's, he's from your home country of Canada, so far away from the United States. Dylan, man, I don't know a lot about Dylan Galdi, but I liked him, man. He was pretty funny. Um, talked about, you know, woke up at 6 a.m. to do the show. That was cool. Uh, but I, he's out for the pit bike MXDN race, but, uh, tell us a little bit about Dylan, man. You know him better than any of us. Uh, real good kid. Comes from a very humble family. Uh, not a lot of money. Got basically a great story. Um, Grew up right around the MX 101 racing facility, which they also have a Canadian team up here. It's the one that Luke Renslin rode for mm-hmm. and uh, Jimmy Dakotas rode for them years ago. And um, he just just figured it out. The kid literally just put laps and laps, turn tracks, riding. He just loves to ride. And uh, up until about, yeah, I guess it's been three years now. Four years ago, it was like he, he got hired to be a part of the Honda Canada team. And uh, the kid had all the tools, but Jesus, it, he was just a time bomb out there. Like, you were just waiting for him to throw it away. Huge crash. Uh, he figures it out, wins the 250 title, and has now gone back-to-back with the 450 title. And the maturity and, like, growth that you've had or seen in his personality and his skill set on the bike over these last, like, two and a half years, especially on the 450, it's been really unbelievable because I've been throwing out some tweets because right now he's in the MXGP. He's like, he has gone past our series 
and he really only races our series. Like he's done a couple American Nationals, but like he has elevated his game and still only racing sort of a, a B series compared to say the GPs or the US one. And and then you're seeing what he's doing on the world stage. Like this kid has got some got some stuff under the hood, man. And uh, I've always said it like there it, there takes a certain amount of dumb to be really good at this sport. Like you've got to. Like we were just talking about Steve not willing to put it on the line. Like there's got to be a point where you need to cross out of your comfort zone to become that next person that maybe you you dream of being. Like you got to get out of your comfort zone to be there. And Dylan finds a way to like whether it's scrubbing something or charging something or just just hanging on to it. Um, it's a very geyser esque type atmosphere where you're just along for the ride. And the kid's good, and obviously we're we're proud of him being from Canada. And uh, yeah, his interview was great. He's always been a good interview. He's a good talker, and um, it, it's awesome to see what's happening right now. And hopefully, stuff like this, whether this interview here and the GP thing that's going on, his future is bright. Right, now. the kid's only twenty four years old. He's got lots of time left. Yeah, it sounded. That's the vibes I got. Everything you just said, Galdi, was kind of vibes I got about him. Uh, Austin, this is again. I say this a lot, but. This is a, a very good point or a good example of why I like Pulp. There's a lot of reasons I listen to Pulp, but when it comes to the interviews, I like getting these guys that maybe, maybe I don't hear about a lot, right? I don't, I don't see him obviously in the the U.S. Nationals or U.S. Supercross, so he doesn't cross my radar or come up on my radar all that often. So when Steve has somebody like that on, I go, oh wow, this is a cool person. This is somebody that I'm interested in now, and I really liked him. What do you think of him? Do you like him? No, yeah, he seemed. I again, I don't know anything about him. I know, I know the name. Yeah, but um, I don't know anything about him. But he seemed like a really soft-spoken, like pretty easygoing person, and he seems like he seems like the kind of guy that he takes it serious. But it looks like it sounds like just really enjoys riding his dirt bike, and it sounds like he got a good opportunity because he went over. He's riding for the Honda 114 team, right? Is that what was going on? Okay, yeah. So actually, how so how it worked was is that. His bike was his actually Honda Canada bike stayed over there from the donations. Then the, the team showed interest; they had some spots. So that bike that he's on is actually his Canadian bike with a little bit of stuff that they are allowed to use over there because they, you know, they can use um, um, uh, not not pro, pro, uh, production rule stuff. So he's able to get a few different parts. So that, but that's actually his bike just under their tent. Gotcha. Oh, okay. No, he, yeah, because yeah. I was a little confused on what the deal was, but no, he seemed like a really soft spoken kid. And it sounds like, honestly, I don't pay attention enough to the MXGP and MX2 results as more as I should. I kind of like pay attention to the KTM riders in a sense <laughs> over there. But obviously, and I'm pumped that Hurlings, I'm pretty pumped that Hurlings actually pulled out the title today. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. But um, no, he seemed like a super nice kid. And uh, I, I, I didn't realize he was cracking like top 10 results over there either. Like that's pretty big considering like all the top 10 there is all factory teams. I mean, the Austrian brands alone probably make up six, seven riders over there. And yeah. then you have Yamaha makes up another three. So if he's cracking top tens against the Austrian bikes and the Yamaha is like, I would say he's pretty legit. And I remember him saying some that he doesn't have any like factory interest over there, but if he could keep holding those results, I wouldn't, I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he started getting more attention from those teams. I was thinking that too, Austin, and, and uh, yeah, I I was really impressed with the top ten finishes. I haven't been paying as, enough attention to the GPS either. So when I heard all that stuff, it was it was new news to me, man. And I probably I would oh, bet wait, that sorry. Guaranteed you, MX has posted more about that, and I just haven't kept up. I, I, Galdi, how how good is? 
Go ahead. So you were good and guaranteed a maxer. Yeah, yeah, well, I was saying that guaranteed MX, I probably should pay more attention to that site because it's a pretty good site. I don't even have the site anymore. It's been gone for two years. What the fuck? I just, oh, I'm a social guy now. I got rid of the site there. It, wasn't, it was too much fucking work. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I knew you had the, the the social, so I just assumed the site was still there. So well, uh, I keep the social up just so I could chirp people and talk shit. And stuff. Okay. All right. But well, no, I, got a, I got a question real quick about that. Yeah, do oh, it. Is he, or uh, Dylan, is, he's 24, you said, right? Yeah, just turned, yeah. So, does that mean he raced in the MXGP class, actually, not MX2? Yeah, no, he was MXGP. Yeah, he has oh, damn. For some reason, yeah, I forgot because I know the, the age over there. You had to be, I think, 23 is the last year for MX2. But, no, that's yeah. even that's even more gnarly if he's mm-hmm. cracking top 10s in the MXGP on the 450 against those guys. I mean, you got KTM, yeah. Gas, Gas, Husky. Like I said, the Austrian bike's still over there. Top six, seven guys, factory Yamaha, factory Cowie, Honda. Like, dude, top ten, that's that's no joke over there. <laughs> no, it's very yeah, no, impressive. Yeah, he, uh, he turned some heads. It's impressive right now for sure, man. The, uh, we, like the talk right now, text message groups, and uh, we, we all sort of have this thing of saying, leave Canada. Take two years. Take a little bit of your money. Get some support. You could probably get some support and just go chase this, this dream that Canadians have never done. We've always kind of stuck to our own little series. And uh, it, it pays well. Like be, he can make money, but take two years, he can come back at like twenty six, twenty seven, and and still win Canadian titles and make some money and stuff like that. So uh, the time is now, and he's he's putting in the results to do it too. So it's, it's, it could be some some neat things for him, and and uh, you know help him put the flag on the map. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's cool. I, I'm glad Steve had him on. It was very impressive. Uh, so opened my eyes a little bit to I, again need to pay more attention to the guy. I, it's something I I want to do now. So. Uh, if you guys haven't listened to the full show Monday night yet, go back. There's a great story about him launching his bike into a creek, and I hope I say oh, yeah. the name of this track pro- properly. I sounded it out as Noof said it. Day Sean Bo. So yeah, pretty good, buddy. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, nice, nice. So go check out that story if you haven't heard it already. But we got to get back to Glen Helen because we still haven't covered everything that they have to <laughs> offer. So let me remind you of this story. Oh, God. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, so I well they they had a thirty second car girl that was only used for the pro moto. Uh, we had a starter that you know does all the starts throughout the day, and so as the thirty second car girl you know walked out, you know the starter guy points to all of us, and then you know then supposedly she's supposed to hold up the card then sideways, blah blah blah. Well, the guy points to up, she holds up the card. Right as the guy walks into the doghouse, and she just puts up the card. So I'm just getting ready, you know, because I'm not going to put my bike in gear until it goes sideways. And uh, as soon as that card goes up, literally the gate drops. And I'm like, uh, the first thing that goes through my mind, I'm like, oh, cool. They were getting a, I guess we're getting a parade lap. They didn't tell me that. And then as I look up, I see guys just going batshit down the straightaway. And then I'm, it, I start to dawn on me, like, oh, shit, they started the race. So I put myself in gear and go, and I just missed it. The, the 30-second cargo doesn't even get out of the way. She walks down the middle of the start straight so she doesn't get beamed by any of us going down the start straight. So she just barely missed us, you know, hitting her. She's so, lucky there were not more people uh, uh, in that gate. Glenn Allen, everybody. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, literally – like there's a few guys that didn't even show up for the second moto, but 
I mean, yeah. if that was a 40-man gate, that girl yeah, would have been in trouble. Been a bad deal. Damn, Galdi. That could have went bad shit show. But when I hear this, and we, we keep going through this, but this is what this particular show is about. Unorgani- unorganized. It's like, I feel like the, the 32nd girl card girl probably talked to somebody, right, in charge. Then the gate guys over here probably doesn't know what the hell she's doing. The promoter, who knows where he is or she is, like, it just feels like nobody's communicating with each other. And there was, we had the bad, the, the crash, the Michael Essie crash. We had a guy pass away, uh, I think on Friday out there, maybe Thursday out there. This girl could have gotten seriously hurt. I mean, Jesus, it's just, some of these things, as we've said already, are uncalled for, really. It's funny, but it's not cool. Well, uh, so the thing on Friday, I'm assuming it was a dirt bike crash on the track. I haven't gotten the full thing. So that that's a little out of the hands if it happens on the track. The Michael Lecky situation, that's on the track. So that is something that the promoter or the organizers can't really control. Yes, they could have maybe not had the 50 plus 125 pro and the right. and the 30 pro. That's a bit silly there. So that led to that. But this instance right here is just sheer fucking lazy, unorganized garbage because if that was the first moto uh, i don't know if you guys listened to um Kiefer's podcast uh he had one as well i just happened to listen to it today but so I, I believe he said that the first 40 or 40 pro moto was race number four so this race was somewhere in around i don't know the 20s or 30 like there's a lot of gate drops right but the problem with this starter guy and not having a communicator they only use the board for the pro classes, not for all the other classes. So, unfortunately, Buddy fell asleep at the wheel. That is exactly what happened. That is all that happened. He's done so many starts all day. He's fucking tired. He probably didn't get served lunch, didn't get a water. Nobody checked up on him. None of that shit. Nobody maybe gave him a break, and he fell asleep at the wheel. And luckily enough, this poor girl did not get hit. But, I mean, could you imagine third gear wide open on a 450? She was probably all of, I don't know, 80, 90 pounds. The one that did it the year I was there, I don't know if you remember Dark Side, about 20 pounds were in her tits. She had big, <laughs> yeah. big boobs. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. But, like, it, it was awesome. But, I mean, like, I, yeah, that right there, again, we, uh, we've we been laughing and joking all night about the dysfunctional in organization. That right there, that is something that they have control over, and it could have been a really, really bad situation. Luckily or not, it wasn't. But, um, yeah, that's that is not – fucking cool not cool i agree like the story Kiefer made it entertaining and funny but not cool and when you see the video which mark's put up on the screen that night monday night it, yeah it was oh i didn't see that yeah it was up yeah. i don't know where they pulled it from but they put it up during this discussion on the show so if you can't find it on instagram you can go back and find the show um i could probably look and tell you about what time like if that was think about it this way if that was a a monster girl yeah um, that that happened to that probably maybe didn't know that didn't know the sport as much or like that. She's fucking out. Like she's not doing that ever again. This girl here, I remember the one that did it again. I'll go back to the year I was there. She was, I believe, she was dating one of the races. I just remember her coming behind the gate and like you know hanging out with one of the dudes or something like that. So I don't know if it was the same girl, but if this girl had no, like she just said, hey, she's a good looking chick and come and do this today and, and help us out for some photos and shit. Like she's fucking out. Like she'll never do that again. Like, this, that's the most dangerous thing. I can't believe it and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I, that, again, me being a promoter, like, I'm a promoter up here, man. I'm a huge advocate of the safety thing. The flaggers often, you were talking about paying flaggers. I pay $15 cash an hour. So, for these guys out at this race, 
from what it was at 7 a.m. till probably six. We're talking 11, 11 hours. Like they're making a couple, they're making over, uh, making a couple hundred bucks, and I get lunch brought to them, and I have an extra yeah, person that's, there, that's so setup. they can go take a piss. Like I have an extra floater, so they can take a 20 minute break every couple hours, so they can go piss or you know check their phone or whatever it is. Like it just and it, for me, I literally it cost me anywhere from 1,700 to two grand. That's like one fucking class of entries at this race for these guys. Wow, yeah. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it, 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 if it comes down to the money side of that when they look at it, that that's – but this particular incident you're talking about, yeah, man, that, that could have been way worse, man. That is scary, scary shit. Luckily, in Chris's class, there was only seven guys, so it was easy for her to walk down the middle of the start. But the year that I went, man, if you remember, Dark said, there was like – 25 or 30 guys in that plus 40 pro. Yeah. So the, yeah. she would have got clipped for sure that weekend. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, very scary. Um, so definitely some things, serious things they got to look into, but it seems like every year it's the same thing. So I, I don't know what the answer is. Uh, at least we know we're going to continue to get stories. Um, all right. Yeah. We, we touched on Steve starts. I have a little piece of audio just cause I kind of think it's funny. We'll probably not talk too much more about the starts, but let's listen. My starts on my, with my Michelin's were a little better. That couldn't get worse. Yeah. Let's talk about your starts. Starts were better. Way fucking, Fuck way you, better. dark side. Fuck you. <laughs> Helping you improve through humiliation, just like you taught me. Yeah, so anyway, I, I don't know. Steve, Steve, I don't think he was really mad, but he didn't like the video I posted, Galdi. But, you know, I don't know if you remember. I'm pretty sure I sent you that thing a year ago, that video. You did, and I never posted it. I never busted your ass or anything. Yeah. I actually waited till, uh, I waited for a long time, but... Uh, if you recall, you were the one that got the original. Yes. The one that started it all. Oh, yeah. Right? With uh, with your, your weekend recap video. And, yep. I mean, Darkseid, that is, that, is, that is video gold. Oh, that yeah. Is, right? <laughs> and that is exactly what it, whether it was Randy making the videos or people busting Steve's uh, ass about his house. That is exactly why he is who he is and why we do things like this to do things to get riled up and have some fun with it. And he's a great sport for it. And look at this year, it, everything sort of turned around. He did better and he got, he called you a fuck you dark side. So <laughs> you, you got to feel good about that. That's not him being mad at all. That's him going, yeah, you got me a couple years ago and now I returned the favor a little bit. It feels good. And, yeah. You know, just poking at friends. Like you guys are friends as much as on the show. Is it like, you're like, you know, a fucking house cleaner to him, basically. Sometimes, <laughs> sure. Like you guys are, you guys are buddies. Yeah, right. right? And it's fun. You, you you poke at each other like that. It's fucking cool. That's awesome. It just helps the show. Yeah, if you could go, if you guys go to the sorry, Steve, the Moto X Pod Show YouTube channel, that whole video from that weekend is up there somewhere. I don't remember again what year it was. I think it was well, it was nineteen, right? It was 19. That was nineteen. Yeah. So yeah, 19. if you go to the nineteen Moto X Pod Show YouTube stuff, there's also some video of Steve cutting the track after he got. I think he. I don't remember yeah. how he got off the track. If he got bumped off the track or no, not, he, but he it was. Kind of, yeah, yeah, he got a little sideways. And then yeah, went off the but track, that was yeah. like a week or two after he was ranting about Adam C and Cirillo going off the track. And so, yeah. yeah, so I put that on. It's really hard to see because it's. I was using my GoPro and it was far away. But it's there. So, yeah, I had yeah. a couple good moments of Steve. But Austin, yeah, the, uh, I don't know, the, the, just the ball busting with Steve and him, you know, what do you think about that? Between him and I, he gives me a lot of shit. I get a lot of listeners that think, that, that tell me, oh, I can't believe you put up with that. But, yeah, I think it's all in fun. Oh, for sure. I think it's definitely just people just got to understand it's the friendship. And it's not all serious. You know, like, there might be some times where it's a little serious or, like, you're a little more – being a little more real than not but yeah. 
I don't know. It's just that's just how some friendships work that people just bust balls. I mean, even at KTM, like with work, we nonstop are just shit talking and it's never bad. It's always just out of fun. Like we're yeah, always of course. Just, always busting each other's balls, you know, like that's just how I don't know. That's just how <laughs> I talk to a lot of people. I think that's how dudes like are. That. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just think that's how dude naturally yeah, that's how, that's a perfect way to say it naturally. I think it's just how dudes are. Yeah. And I, for me, that's just I don't know, that's how I'm used to it. So for me, I can tell it's always just busting your balls, but at the end of the day, he's still a friend that has your back. So he does actually. He's he's had my back on a number of things. So I, I yeah, I got nothing bad to say. Uh it's a lot of fun for me. I like when I every once in a while I can get him back like I did. And that video, like I mentioned, I, I, I sent it to Galdi a year ago and he it was I made it probably before that particular pulp show when Randy kind of upset him and he was not in a great mood after that, after Randy did all those videos. So I question, I sent it to Galdi, Kiefer and Marks. Galdi said, fuck it, post it. But Kiefer, <laughs> Kiefer and Marks were like, Oh, I'd, I'd hold off. Cause he's, he was a little bit frustrated with the Randy thing or whatever. So I saved it. And I think I feel like I saved it for the perfect time. Galdi the night before, the, the 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 following years bet nationals i think it worked perfect so uh i'm happy with my contribution well played, dark side well played thank you thank you i'll take that uh <laughs> hey those who ride dirt bikes motorcycles atvs and utvs know motosport is the best place for oem and aftermarket parts riding gear and accessories motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at motorsport.com. Few more things to talk about. Uh, Galdi, this is something a little off, off topic, off topic of Glenn Helen. I want to get you and Austin's opinion on it, but Kiefer Mathis, they're trying to get JT to, hey, you should come out to Glenn Helen and race this thing. And it kind of leads into this conversation where I feel like JT never enjoyed racing. He almost says, like, I really just like talking about the racing and hanging out with my buddies. Let's listen to what he had to say, and I want to see if you guys were a little surprised. Was preparing for a race more fun to you than actually the event itself? I don't know that I had a lot of fun at any point. Uh... <laughs> well, you should come He's to doing, Helen. <laughs> He's doing some real soul searching no, I, right I now. I was so stressed out racing. I enjoyed being at the the race somewhat but the racing part was not fun for me it was like really serious um i did we never noticed right (laughs) i don't know that i enjoyed like the grinding so much but i enjoyed being at the track like you know hanging out with my friends and the freedom of schedule and all those things there were definitely perks to it i just don't think i enjoy i know i don't enjoy riding as much as Kiefer does um i just i think i just enjoyed it i just enjoy the sport a lot like i like watching it i like talking about it i like thinking about it i just don't know that i like doing it as much as I other people uh okay that cut off a little quicker than i thought it was going to austin but like i got the vibe from that like he never said like well i used to enjoy riding or i enjoyed racing sometimes it was just like i liked going to hang out with my friends like i didn't get the vibe from that and he's been this way for the last few years where like he doesn't seem to enjoy riding dirt bikes at all to me to me it sounds like every time i hear jt talk about racing or anything like he did say he was always stressed yeah. And I get it. It's it's a very stressful racing is super stressful. I understand that, but to me it sounds like the the the, the days that you're training everything, I get it when you're there to ride, you're there to be serious, but the downtime in between, you got to joke around, you got to have fun, you got to keep it light. 
and also you got to remember why you're doing it like you started racing for as a hobby and then it got serious so like you gotta you gotta kind of go back down to your roots is what i would say and uh keep it fun and you just gotta remember like those days that you're grinding like why you're doing it the fuel of why you're doing it because like i said back to when you're a kid riding for fun now you're being serious and now the hard work pays off you get paid (laughs) these days like if you're a champion you get paid millions so i don't know to me it just sounded like he didn't have the most fuel when it came to training maybe and maybe he did maybe i could be completely wrong but it sounds like he just needed to maybe try to loosen up a little bit and have some more (laughs) more fun there you go in the the meantime is what i would have said good way to put it i see i see i see it every day like i mean we we train our max rides with cooper webb and marvin and aaron plessinger and you want to talk about a fun group of people to be around like ap ap is the funniest dude i've ever been around that races and same with coop coop he might come off as super serious and like trust me when it comes to racing the dude is gnarly yeah but in between practice sessions like he's the biggest jokester there is like busting balls right i I, yeah i see it i just see it from a different point of view so i just at the end of the day i would say you just gotta kind of loosen up and if he still does ride if he doesn't have fun like i don't know i don't know about if he has fun these days even riding but doesn't sound like it i would just I, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe it just sounds like he should have done some soul searching. Like right, yeah. said. <laughs> so, Galdi, before I get your opinion on this, I do want to say his lack of interest in riding honestly might be a big part of why I'm getting a YZ250 because it all started with Kiefer talking to me about relationship stuff. He called me one night and he's like, you know, you riding in here or whatever. And we kind of went through that whole story. And uh, he's like, man, I should have given. I, I need to get you a test bike. I need to get you a test bike for twenty two. You know, when I get some test bikes, I'm gonna try to get you a bike. He said I should have given you that Honda, the Honda to you instead of JT because JT didn't even ride it. You'd have rode it more. That's how the whole thing started. Is I should have given you JT's bike, and then it led into I'm gonna get you a test bike for twenty two, and then it came into I'm getting my own bike that I'm gonna keep. But anyway, so I gotta thank JT a little bit for that, maybe. But it kind of bums me out though, just the way he sounds about it overall. Just like that's not what riding dirt bikes should be. I, I, a hundred percent. Like his job, his career, his hobby, his life has been wrapped around a dirt bike in every single facet. And every time you hear him speak about it, it is fuck that, never. I hate it. I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. But he wants to. Why just? It's very, if you're a fan of JT, you've got to have moments where you're like, fuck JT, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Loosen up a little bit. Like, I'm assuming, I, well, you hear it come out sometimes in the show when they talk about, you know, um, the way when they go to a restaurant. Like, he just can't sit down and just have a little bit of something, you know, just to fit in. It's got to be, you gotta, they've got to go to 10 different restaurants, him and Steve, when they're on the road or something. Like, those little things like that, like, yeah, which is fine. Hey, health, health to, to healthy list lifestyle, and it's fine. And like, but like, just fucking chill down, as Keith would like to say, and ride a dirt bike, dude. Like you used to go fast on it. There's no fucking way if he didn't just start riding on a regular basis, it would help his job. It would help his life. It probably, uh, I think he's single. He might meet a chick again and get all excited and confident. I don't know about that. I'm just talking at a turn here, but I don't know. It, it is. I listen to his podcast, 
uh, some Tigers. I love his his, his uh, opinion and his insight on things, but there's no fucking way that guy, if he started riding a bike on a regular basis, wouldn't be just like all chipper again and, and stuff like that. But if you knew JT as a racer, I knew him back when his race were right around the same age. I think he's a little younger than me, but he was very serious. Him and, and Ryan Newf, actually, it's kind of funny they were on the show together. They were like so serious, they almost ruined it at times. I think for themselves because they just couldn't like take in the moment and, mm-hmm. and sort of enjoy what they were doing uh, kind of thing. You know, like you look at a career like mine, I, I might have enjoyed it a little too much, whether it was chicks or booze or whatever the fuck it was. I didn't take my racing career serious, but I also make sure I had lots of fun doing it too. So, you know, there's a fine line, but uh, I don't know. I, I definitely feel like JT's missing it right now. And, you know, a friend of his, Chris Kiefer threw him a bone and he basically like just, you know, like pushed it aside. So, I think the door is closed. He just seems to over it, but he's missing these opportunities like the World Vets or maybe racing Loretta's or just even doing some fun shit. They have a, don't they have a track right outside of Fly in Boise? Yep. Yeah, and I, I think yeah. that's where he rode when he rode the Honda a couple of times, but that's about it. I, I, I feel like he would uh, definitely be even better on the shows than he is if he was riding again and joking around with his buddies and, you know, busting some berms out and getting tired and getting arm pumped, having a little crash, doing a big jump, you know, all that shit that we thrive on. And, hey, maybe all of a sudden there'd be a, a an intro to JT like yours, Dark Side, of when you crashed Damon Bradshaw's bike. <laughs> Thanks. Like maybe Thanks there should that. be stuff that's created. <laughs> Dude, obviously that's the best intro that's ever been made in the history of intros. So, Apparently. Um, yeah, so I know. Just, he's missing out on those little things, and I, I think he'd be a better uh, – just a better guy for in everything that he does right now if he was riding again. That's just my yeah. opinion. All right, we're going to move on. we got two more things to touch on real quick before we go. Uh, you mentioned a, a few times there, uh, Galdi, John Anderson. John Anderson, him and his wife own WUSA. They're the title sponsor of the world cha- the Vet World Championships at Glen Helen. He definitely, Austin, I love John Anderson. and he's He wasn't mad, as Steve sort of joked about throughout the show before he came on about what Steve said. He actually kind of agreed to some, uh, uh, some, you know, in some ways. And I think that was probably not easy for him because he is the title sponsor. Probably worried about the, the repercussions, if any, of what he was saying. But he sounded a little disappointed in all the things that went on also. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely sound like he had some discouragement. And... I don't know, like what what happens when he's at the races and not, and if he doesn't, if he sees in person or not. But uh, it definitely sounds like a little bit of, sh- I'd say a little bit of a shock in a sense. So like maybe he really embraced the words and going into next year. I, I don't know. After what you guys have talked about in 2019 and this year, you never know. You could see next year be quite a bit different. As in, he might try to tighten it up quite a bit and make it really. I don't know, like, I would say efficient for everyone, you know? Like, yeah. He wants to be efficient. He wants everyone to have fun. And trust me, I think there'll be still plenty of fun, but I definitely think he wants to tighten up the program in a whole. And with uh, what was said and recommendations, honestly, from, like, Steve and uh, Newf and all those guys, I uh, definitely could see some changes for next year for the good. Yeah, the problem is John's the sponsor, not the promoter. So, Galdi, all oh, he can – Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Which, which I mean, he's tight with those guys. But all he can do is suggest these things, and I feel like, Galdi, these things have probably been suggested many, many times, and they just don't happen. But I don't know. That was a different attitude or a different um, 
the way his tone was different, Galdi, than in years past. Well, yeah, uh, the year that I went, I, I, I was fortunate enough to meet John there. We got to watch some of the races together and chat him, and he was very excited about it all. The show, it, again, we keep talking about it. That show, 404, and this show, 482, very similar. A lot of the same things. They literally only had six flaggers back then. The fucking, the gate situations, the pickaxe. Like, yeah. It was very, very reminiscent of it all. So, And then in the, the 2020 version, yeah, a little bit different COVID, not as many entries. So things didn't have to be as organized, but these problems have been there for year after year after year. And I figure, you know, John said that he's going to, you know, bring these things up and, and, uh, you know, hopefully like, like Austin was saying, they'll be more organized up. But I feel like, um, what happened on Friday, unfortunately to the fellow of the past, the Michael Lessie crash that hit home a little bit more this year than it did maybe in the, even though there was crashes, that this the death side of it is obviously so much more serious, mm-hmm. and it puts such a negative tone on the sport that we love. Yeah, you can die driving a car, walking across the street, yada yada. But when the the passion that all of us have for the sport, when that happens, when someone's doing what we know, what we, what the joy that it brings us, it really shuts down uh, on that thing. And I think that's what John did. He kind of shut down because of that and, and you know and then the stuff that was brought up on the show you could see that it, like he could tell in his voice that he was disappointed man like he was I, I think for a bit of frustration as well because there'll probably be some customer out there that will write a letter to w not knowing that they don't run the race or whatever but saying you know this race killed my friend or you know there's there'll be something negative that we won't see or hear about that they'll have to deal with from it and that is where the reflection that you referred to could come in. And, and it's hard to put your name on something if it's going to be continuously that way. And, and right now we're, we're talking about it every fucking year about this race. So these points that are being made to bring up about the organizing and flagging and spending money, I think it really hit home with John a little bit there. And you could tell like he was really bummed when he got on the phone. And he was not like that the year that I was there. And it was a lot of the similar problems minus the death and the scary crash like Alessi had. So, yeah, good, um, good point. It, it sucks. Yeah, yeah, it sucks that, that you might you might get that to get that kick in your ass, but it is part of it. And to be honest with you, that is, there's no better way to get a kick in the ass than something like that. It sucks. But if it isn't changed next year and you see the very similar types of things, then Fuck me, like I, I don't know whether they all. Then it just proves that they really don't give a fucking shit. It has nothing to do with W. That just proves that Glenn Helen doesn't give a fuck about anything. Well, that's uh, that's a good point. Is, to, oh, go ahead, Austin. I'd like, I'd like to, I'd like to touch on that. Yeah. Because yeah. first off, I want to apologize. I forgot he he's not the promoter. But yeah, that's fine. Well, that's that's kind of like what Galdi's saying. Like at the end of the day, though, too, like W is the title sponsor, so it kind of does play back on him a little bit. Yeah, I think can. that's what can also. That can be a bummer because, as I already I misinterpreted it, so there's other people that probably have also. And it's tough because you don't want your business being associated with something that you could say people really aren't caring about. And he obviously wants everyone to have a good time, but at the end of the day, I'm assuming he wants people to have good reviews about the race, so it also looks, comes back good on his business to being the title sponsor. So yeah, I can see why. I can, yeah. I agree with Galdi, though. Hopefully there's a lot of big changes next year for it, for the better. Well, we'll wait and see. Uh, before we go, Galdi, your boy, Noof, in studio, I really haven't had you 
just give me an overall thought process on how Noof did. He's been in before, obviously. I like him. I think he does good. I think he has good content. But I know you, as his buddy, probably want to talk some shit. Uh, uh, yeah, he was pretty mellow, the show. He, you know, the White Claw count and, and stuff like that. Um, Noof's, uh, uh, he likes to, I don't know, just kind of follow the scene. Sort of. He's not very creative in a lot of stuff that he does. So he just kind of got the feed off of the Steve stories and stuff like that. Really. But I thought he did a great job on this show, right? Uh, you know what I mean? I, I, uh, I definitely love the bus's chops. I think he is uh, a, a pussy and a chicken shit when it comes to the drama, <laughs> to really, really talking shit on something. He'll do it in a text message or away from it. But uh, even, even in the instance of the first hour and a half, it was like, this fucking race, fucking no, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this. And then John got off the phone, and it was like, you know, everybody did their best, and they tried, but <laughs> maybe we could do it this way. It's not like, hey, yeah, yeah, John, yeah. we know it's not your fault, but this fucking race has to change. Fuck these guys at Glen Helen, blah, blah, you know what I mean? Like, that's what they were saying at the beginning of the show. And then when John got on, they, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a backpedal because they didn't want to upset the apple cart kind of thing. Nah, of course, right. that's just, Interesting. That's, that's key. That's just human way, you know. Yeah, uh, you, sure. you get a little keyboard tough kind of thing going, and uh, that was the dramatic side of the show at the beginning of it. And we were like that, you know, in our in in the day that we did it. But again, this time here, I don't like I said, John came on because of a different perspective with a, a passing of a of a fellow rider. Basically, we consider everybody a family when you're riding, right? Mm-hmm. So it was a different scenario there. So I, understandably, they were backing it down a little bit, but. Um, yeah, I, I like to bust my buddy. I think he's a he's a fucking absolute beauty. He's a great friend of mine. He does a lot for our industry in Canada. He, he's a he's a go out there. But yeah, he's uh, when it when it comes to getting a little tough, he'll fucking scurry into the corner for sure. <laughs> All right, Galdi. Uh, last <laughs> piece of audio. We're gonna wrap this thing up. This show. So you guys know, there's always drops played during the show, right? You hear them all. Uh, Vietnam Vic drops, or I just want to hear the motocross stuff. A lot of the drops come from. The show, I cut a lot of those drops when I'm doing the wrap-up show. This show in particular had a just more than normal. There was just one after the other. If you guys go back and listen to the intro of the show once it's posted, there's a long, there's two minutes of drops. But I want to play just a few of my favorites before we go out. Uh, I'll let you guys comment what you think, and then we'll call it a night. Here we go. Full-time busy with guys that I pay who shit on me. Fuck me, dude. I'm a loser rub my nipples i'm a loser and okay cool like whatever Uh, you get a hard on you're fine like we're fucking tired bro what the fuck are you doing i was the window licker do up his butthole wouldn't it be funner (laughs) rough and hard if there was a fucking trap door that leads to hell i'd fall in it this is fucking nom there's no rules (laughs) any you could you could kill a man it's fine you're starting to see an ass all right that's just a few. There's more at the beginning. Uh, Austin, do you have a favorite drop? Not necessarily from this show, but the drops are gold. I sent. I, I did send all those to Mark so he can use them at his leisure. Just the drop about rubbing his nipples right there was pretty funny. That was a good one. I like the, the butthole one personally, but uh, how about you, Galdi? <laughs> I haven't heard the one in a while, but the one, I think it actually might have been a show that I was on years ago, but uh, my mom's over there giving BJ's. <laughs> yes. I haven't heard that one in a while. Yes. I haven't used that one in a while. That one always, because I've met 
Steve's mom, and she's an absolute beautiful woman. Debbie. So, Debbie, yeah. Like, just so well, now we got dropped. But, I mean, the VMA Vic one is pretty good. But now the one that's a loser, I think that's going to get dropped steady, and, and that was going to make me laugh. Yeah, I like the fact that during the show, one of those times when he said it, he's like, don't clip this, Marks. <laughs> we me, yeah. me and Marks were both, like, texting each other, like, yeah, we got a time stamp. We're good. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, so, that was good. I sure. got to give a shout out to a couple of the listeners, um, Garrett Garrett Rockley and uh, Stephen Hall, who send me timestamps. Nick Nick over there at Moto Limited in Australia send me timestamps with a lot of these drops. So in case I miss them, I can go pull them. So I appreciate you guys. Uh, I want to thank the sponsors of the Pulp Mix Wrap Up Show: Michelin Bicycle Tires, Guts Racing, Motorsport.com, and Seal Savers as well as all the other sponsors of the Pulp Mex show, including Fly Racing, Race Tech, X-Brand Goggles, etc. Check out pulpmxshow.com. Click on the Sponsor Deal tabs. There's links and discount codes there. You can always reach out to, I think it use contest at Pulp Mex show or the contest, the contact link. I think there's a contact link. If you want codes that aren't on the website, Steve can try to help you out. Uh, but other than that, guys, uh, Galdi, anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to mention? Uh, no, I think you guys, you did a great job, Dark Side. We, we hit it home run. We covered all the topics there for sure. And uh, it was it was a, another banger show, this this World Vet thing. I honestly think that Steve should start doing this with other events. I know that he doesn't like to drive that far. He travels a lot. But, like, maybe it goes to that Farley Castle one. Mm. Uh, where the world's at over there, or maybe it is a Loretta's one, or yep. you know, just like a roaming, uh, rolling of co-hosts. Let's go rolling events, and you you bring in um, certain guests that you know will fit into the event or something, and then they do the show again. I don't. Know. These shows really hit home uh, for your follow-up show, and then for uh, for his show as well. So yeah, uh, it, it makes sense. They're, they're fun all around. I, I agree, Austin. Anything you want to talk about, and give me your thoughts on your first wrap-up show. Um, no, it was, it's fun. I like, I like shooting the shit, like talking and just discussing motocross. I kind of feel bad because I wish I had had a little better input on obviously the self, like the world vet national and a little better like info, but I'm glad we had Galdi in because he could kind of pick up my slack a little bit on this one. Well, Steve, Steve t- <laughs> really likes, Steve likes it. us to talk about what they said on the show anyway. So you don't really have to have that. So we we definitely get off topic of what talks was talked about on the show because I don't really care what Steve says, but um, <laughs> because it's more entertaining to have new content. But um, I might get clipped for that. But it is what it is. Uh, okay, guys. So I think uh, other than that, that's a wrap. I'm Darkside. Darkside at pulpmex I was about to say pulpmex show, but it's Darkside at pulpmex If you guys have any questions, comments, criticism, whatever, send me something, man. I'll I'll, I'll read it on air. If you uh, don't like the show, we'll, we'll talk about it. But other than that, that's a wrap. We're out of here. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show? Say